Well, we can start the show, or we can just talk about Barbara Streisand <laughs> off the air for the rant. Since the moment you've walked through my doors, <laughs> yeah. we've done nothing but talk about Barbara yeah. Streisand. Us and every other podcast out there. And you're going to hear in the other stuff segment, I guess I'm going to hear from you, but you're going to hear from me that she doesn't like being called Barbara Streisand. She doesn't? No. It's not Streisand. It's Streisand. Strice. Really? Like sand. Not a Z. No Z. No Z. And she went pretty darn far to prove that point. I will save that for the other stuff segment. This is episode 262, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Hello. Oh, beautiful this time of year. Area, area code 262 <laughs> is Kenosha. Could you spot Kenosha on this map? <laughs> On that map? No. no. I can get close. Do you know Kenosha, Wisconsin? No, I don't think I've been to Wisconsin. On the southwest shore of Lake Michigan? Oh. I know that because I looked it up. Sounds nice. Apparently, if you drove from Chicago to Milwaukee mm -hmm. and you wanted to stop halfway to take a leak, yeah. you would take a leak on Kenosha, Wisconsin. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. Kenosha, Wisconsin, midway on I-94 from Chicago to Milwaukee, area code 262. Would you like more? Would you like to know people that you recognize that were from Kenosha, Wisconsin? Yes. Ask Chris Farley. No. Not no. one of them? Okay. I I'm not asking you to, to name them. <laughs> it's the only Wisconsin that no. I can think of. Well, we've I got we've got a no. few Amichis. If I say the name A-M-E-C-H-E. -E, Don Amici? What does that mean to you? Was there an old cult? That was Alan Amici, Alan Amici okay. who once won the Heisman Trophy oh, and was an yeah. all-pro fullback in the she National sure. Football League. His first cousin, I believe, yeah. was Don Amici. Sure. Both of them from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Woo. Don Amici would forever be loved as one of the Duke brothers yes. in trading places. <laughs> and coming to America, I've right? I've never seen that in my life. <laughs> PCP, Angel Dust. That's right. Ever Angel seen Dust. what that does to kids? <laughs> Yeah, they, Winthrop. <laughs> excuse me. They make that cameo. I think it's in, in uh, Coming to America. They make the cameo where they're both homeless. Yes. And Eddie Murphy's character gives yes. them a little money. Yes. Brilliant. Yes. Love that. Love that part. Two tickets. La Boheme. Do you, says. do you remember how much they to the bet? opera? It's to the opera. It's La Boheme. <laughs> do you remember how much they one dollar to ruin a guy's life? They bet <laughs> That's one. That's the best part. Yeah, it's awesome. And then they uh, they exchange the dollar like in a bathroom at the very end of the movie. Yeah, and I think right? one of them's in the stall listening. I think like either oh, I don't Eddie know Murphy oh, or yeah. one of them. That's yeah. how they get tipped off to the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, one dollar. So Don Amici and cousin Alan Amici, cousin, okay, are both from Kenosha, Wisconsin. So. Uh, Alan Amici played with like Johnny Unitas, no? That's correct. Yeah, with okay. the Colts, he was a yeah. fullback. He won the Heisman Trophy. Gotcha. Don Amici did not win a Heisman no, Trophy. No, he did okay, though. But he did himself. win a dollar. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I don't know which I, one I won know. it. No. I can't remember. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo? Ruffalo? It'd be Ruffalo, yes. Yes, you know that name? Sure, actor yeah. extraordinaire. Kenosha, Wisconsin. Is there Ruffalo, is that Kelly Ripa's guy or no? Am I getting that confused? Who's Kelly Ripa's husband? No, no, no. That's like Mark Cons Kelly Ripa? Consuelos, maybe? Yeah, yeah. That's different a, Mark. Yeah, completely different I, I, Mark. I, I, what, what was that? The, Where did that come Way from? off base, like an actor yeah, named Mark? She, she hosts the show with her husband, doesn't she? I thought Strahan not, hosted not Reg, it. Not Regis anymore. It thought, didn't Strahan take? I don't know. No. Strahan takes over every job. No, it used to be, it used to be you know who. Regis and Kathy Lee, yes. No, and then it used to be... Uh, oh, Seacrest. Yeah, Seacrest. Seacrest, yeah. yeah, so yeah, yeah. Her husband. No, that's not Mark Ruffalo. Okay, I know Ruffalo's Mark a big yeah. time actor. He's from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Okay. How about this? Orson Welles. Oh, sure. Kenosha, yeah. Wisconsin, Citizen Kane. 
well, Kenosha, Wisconsin. War of the Worlds? War of the Worlds. Where he people were like literally yep. jumping out of yep. a building. It was like a radio prank. And a couple of sportsy ones for you. One I know you know, one you probably know. Melvin Gordon. Does that name mean anything it to you? sounds familiar. Former University of Wisconsin running back, was a Chargers running back recently. Melvin Gordon, a pretty good, like okay. a Chiefs running back, maybe just out of the league in the last two or three years. And Nick Van Exel, Kenosha, oh, Wisconsin. Big fan. Cincinnati Bearcats. Not in the first round of the playoffs against the Sonics. <laughs> That's right. He was on At that the team. Tacoma Dome. Oh, oh that God. rat bastard. Unstoppable. Remember when the lights, the power went off? It went out in oh, the middle yeah, yeah, of the yeah. uh, the playoff series. Yeah. I blamed Wheeler for that. Did you? <laughs> of course. Why? Why would anyway? You? Kenosha, Wisconsin. Area code two six two. You just got everything you need to know about yeah. Kenosha, Wisconsin. So if people say they don't learn anything from Mitch Unfiltered. Shame on you. You just learned where Kenosha, Wisconsin is. Yep. And you learned of five or six names that you are familiar with. Yeah. From Kenosha, Wisconsin. And we learned that Ruffalo is not married to Kelly Ripa. No. And never was. No. He's the Hulk no. in the Avengers. I forgot about that. Is he? He's yeah. been in a lot of good movies. He's a pretty good yeah. actor. Yeah. Yeah. He's big time. Yeah. Yep. Kenosha. Sure. Yeah. 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 Mitch Unfiltered is available everywhere. Subscribe on any podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, Google. Listen and rate and review us. Hopefully five stars. It really helps. If you're more into shorter shows than the long Monday ones, then please become a Mitch Unfiltered patron or consider it at MitchUnfiltered.com. $5 a month gets you our four shows each week during the football season. You get the Peace Show with Danny O'Neill, about 25 minutes. You get shooting the shit with Slick, about 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. You get around the NFL with Randy Mueller, about 25 minutes. And you get the Seahawks note table with Nemhauser and Brady Henderson. That's the second of two each week Seahawks note tables because you get one on this show right. as well. So if you like the shorter shows, go to MitchUnfiltered.com and become a Mitch Unfiltered patron. And if the $5 is truly a problem, just email me, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. Speaking of actors, I have to ask you, because you're my you're my window to the streaming shows. Okay. You've given me all these shows to watch, none of which I've liked. Yeah, I know. I've got a couple now. Sorry. My wife and I have a couple now that we're watching. That we Sorry, watch. it's not the senior PGA Tour. I mean, I, I know it's hard to beat that. That would but. be the Champions Tour. <laughs> we don't call it the senior PGA. Jesus. Especially when you become a senior. Like yeah, right. We, we call it the Champions Tour. Sit there for six hours I and watch no, that shit, but oh, you won't no. watch some great Netflix. No, I won't. Yeah, not, I not, ones that, not ones that you suggest. Well, what do you want? Okay, go ahead. Billions. Yes. Have you seen it? I tried a, the first few episodes. It didn't hit me. Okay. But I, all, I have not seen it. All my friends love it. I have not seen it. I'm asking you. Okay. I'm considering making a gigantic family decision mm. and sitting down and trying billions because I know a lot of people like it. Yeah. And I happen to go to another movie. There's been like two or three movie dates. My wife and I have gone to movies recently. Oh, like in the theater. Movies. Like in the theater. Oh, we wow. like going to the theater. Sure. We went to the theater on Friday night and we saw a movie that you probably never heard of. It's called The Holdovers. You would probably never have heard of it. It stars... Paul Giamatti. Oh, I've seen I've seen the trailer for it. Yeah. yeah. Looks, oh, looks, you have. Looks, I think it's by the guy that did Sideways. That's exactly who yeah, it's yeah. by. It looks yes. funny. He's Same like an guy. old curmudgeon. Same guy. Teacher yeah. in a, in a, uh, <laughs> that yeah, in a prep school. That actually looks kind of funny. Well, it's funny. It's dark. It's sad. It's emotional. Okay. It's, it's, it's like what I like. Yeah. You know, it's... it pull, No, they don't make movies like this anymore. I happen to like it. But as I'm sitting there watching it, mm -hmm. Paul Giamatti, who, by the way... Just the, the craziest thing who his dad was. Yes. Right? Bart Giamatti, who yeah. 
infamously threw Pete Rose out of baseball and out of the Hall of Fame. Um, Paul Giamatti, it strikes me that every time I see him, I say to myself, this guy is a fabulous actor. Top notch. So good. So good. Now, somebody might yell at the podcast, does he play the same character every time? Is it the same spiel? I've never seen Billions, Mm -hmm. but I'm sitting there watching this movie, enjoying this movie. I recommend it for people that don't want to go to a comic or a superhero movie. If you want to go to like a movie that makes you sad, makes you happy, makes you feel feel a little bit, this one will do it to you this holiday season. But as I sat there, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen that guy in like a commercial or a TV show or a movie where I haven't had the same reaction like, this guy's an amazing actor. He's a, he's incredible. Yes, I would totally, I love you him. You do? Big fan. Okay. I, I love Sideways. I don't know if you, if you saw it or if no, you remember it. No, I never it. saw it. No. He's I am re- not the- drinking fucking Merlot! <laughs> <laughs> he's the biggest that. wine snob of all no, time. Really? And apparently Should Mer- I watch Sideways? It's awesome. Yeah, and then okay. I actually, I really love the other guy that's in it too. His name's escaping me. Right. We can figure it out. But but Merlot for non-wine drinkers, the Merlot grape is, it's always been used as kind of a filler. Yeah. It's, you would, they never used to just drink Merlot grape, but they sell it now and it's cheap. And so they go on this wine, t- he's the biggest wine stop ever. He freaks out. I am not drinking fucking Merlot. And the way he really? says it, it's All just, right, I'm going to watch Sideways. It's so funny. I'm going to watch Sideways. But I. I made the decision because I happen to know that billions people liked. Yeah. It was on Showtime. People like it a lot. Yeah. People like it a lot. And I know that I've never seen it. And I know that he stars in it or he's one of the stars in it. So I made kind of a conscientious decision halfway through the movie at South Center's AMC Pictures <laughs> yeah. that I'm going to try billions just because yeah. I want to see more of this guy. This guy is really good. Awesome. He's really good. And he's phenomenal. In this movie, this particular, I don't know if this movie is the greatest movie you ever saw. I don't think it's winning any Academy Awards anytime soon. Yeah. It's just a good solid two hours and 15 minutes. And he's just, yeah. I sit there the whole time going, this guy's amazing. You remember him in he's Private Parts? He played the program yes. director. Yes. What was the nickname? Pig Vomit. Pig Vomit. In real yeah. life, the guy's name oh, was Pig great. Virus. That yeah. may be the first time I ever saw him. God damn way. you, Howard. <laughs> like, he yes. gets so I, mad. I think <laughs> that's the first time I ever saw him. He's so good. He's fantastic. He's taking a whiz and he can hear uh, up above, they're calling his wife to say they should, they should give him more sex. He's and he's great. trying to finish up and then he runs down the hall. And yeah, he's, he's great. God damn it, Howard, you're not going to do this to me. He's great. WNBC. Anyway, I'm going to go. Thomas Hayden Church. I love this guy. He's in Sideways, too. Okay. It's it's really good. It's not the greatest movie. You're not, you know, but it's him. And I'm going to watch Sideways and I'm going to try Billions. Okay. And you didn't like Billions. Yeah, but if something just hit me about it, I just, it didn't, I don't know. Maybe I, did you ever finish Succession? I know he's not in that. Oh, Succession is what my wife was talking about. No, 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 no. I didn't like Succession. Okay. We got a little, I mean, we we got like five or six shows into it, and I was like, eh. Okay. That's I how I felt about, about Billions. All I was right. Like, well, yeah. maybe I'll feel the same way, and then I'll come on and I'll say, you know, that Paul Giamatti is an overrated actor. <laughs> I have friends that swear by that show. Though. Beat the Boys it. Week 11 is coming up. Seahawks at Rams is one of the games we'll ask you to choose. Chargers at Packers. Steelers at Browns. Your password is, all lowercase, Dylan. Spell. D-I-L-L-O-N, as in Dylan Johnson, the running back of your University of Washington Huskies. Yes. Who's had back-to-back very fine performances. 
Dylan, D-I-L-L-O-N is your password for Beat the Boys. It's all brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. $1,000 to the winner at the end of the contest. Those are your three games, and that is your password. Guests on this episode 262. Yes. Kenosha, hello. (laughs) Mr. College Football Playoffs in segment one is one of the guests. Okay. I'm calling him one of the guests. All right. (laughs) He will be involved in segment one. We need to get a short visit from Mr. College Football Playoffs to talk a little bit about the University of Washington's plight. Now that we are at the Oregon State game, there's two more to go. Scary. Oregon State and then Washington State and then a Pac-12 championship game. We need a small visit from Mr. College Football Playoffs in segment one. And then the real guests, Seahawks no table reaction to a heart-stopping win over the Commanders. Yeah. Brady and Brian will talk about that with you. Uh, in segment number one, Rick Neuheisel, of course, the stretch run to the conference championships, college football playoff picture. We've got Washington and Oregon State. We'll get his thoughts on that game and everything that happened this past weekend in the world of college football. Rick Neuheisel at CBS. And then the third interview segment, fourth set of interviews, the return of the Kraken no table. Oh, right. I am not going to turn a shoulder on the Kraken this year. I loved him too much last year during the playoffs. So we will get RJ, we'll get Darren on, and we'll talk about the still trouble getting started this season, Seattle Kraken. Great. So there you go. Episode 262 Hot Shot doesn't happen without our partners like the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage. We are beginning the conversations about downsizing with our youngest graduating high school this year. Great to have Jordan Flowers on my team. I'm in good hands. 425-890-2957. Do what I do. I call him all the time. 425-890-2957 and get his mortgage advice. Daniel's Broiler. Thanksgiving is just about upon us. Three of the four locations just about sold out. Les Shy is opening an incredible remodel in time for Thanksgiving. Don't forget the Seattle downtown location has a $75 all-you-can-eat buffet at the Hyatt downtown. No better place to celebrate special occasions. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses, Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers, working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof, evergreengk.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza, football season, pizza season. Don't forget, specials every football game day at all Zeke's locations like Thursdays, Saturdays, Sundays, and Mondays. $10 off of all orders that are 40 or more at all Zeke's locations by using the code PIGSKIN10, all one word, P-I-G-S-K-I-N-10, homegrown in the Northwest. And John Waterstrat, Fireside Home Solutions, the title sponsor of the Beat the Boys competition. Your Week 11 password is Dylan, D-I-L-L-O-N, all lowercase, 1000 bucks from Fireside Home Solutions to the winner. And everyone who beats us wins a prize. Check out new fireplaces, garage doors at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. This is episode 262, and it begins right now.
Unfiltered. The Alabama quarterback can run like the wind, but he's very limited in the passing. I just don't see the dynamic offenses. I wouldn't just put a blanket statement out there. They can't win the national championship as is. Unfiltered. If they are 12-1, and let's say with a loss at Oregon State, but they're Pac-12 champions having beaten Oregon twice... I think they're going to the playoff. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 262, Hot Shot Scott, is officially underway. Somebody left the house this weekend and found, theirself, found themselves at Husky Stadium oh, on Saturday with the did. swirling winds. I had two sons there yeah. and a friend there. Well, your son and I did uh, keg stands together, and the other one got me high in the back of the <laughs> Didn't stadium. you see my son running around the field? He's on the field. Is he? I didn't see him. Yeah, he, he puts together the halftime thing, wow. contest. He pulls people from out of the stands. He's running around, catching shagging balls. Yeah. Is he down there with Super Sam, the, 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 the MC? Oh, I know Super Sam. Person. Sean, sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know when I, I saw him. Autograph. When I saw him, I was like, am I late for a station meeting? What the hell? So you doing? went to the game? I was there. Hotshot left the house, yes. Who did Hotshot go with to the game? Uh, my wife, you've heard of her. Yeah. And then, um, we had two extra tickets. So, uh, a friend of ours, whose daughter was on the all-star team, who's goes to high school and then yeah. her and then, yeah. And my, my daughter came, but she sat with another friend. So anyway, there was four of us together yeah. and good times. Rain. We were undercover, but it Look didn't, at you. it didn't rain. The fancy schmancy Oh, seats. so fancy. Oh yeah. I mean, I almost went in. Hell in of a game. It, I was wildly unprepared. Clothes, clothes wise. Oh, oh, okay. I haven't gone into okay. I was like, holy shit. I was gonna this say called. I was gonna say, if you were unprepared for a close tight game, <laughs> what have you been doing the last three or four God, weeks? God, I was freezing. Holy oh, you shit. Were. The w- the wind oh, was relentless. Really? You ever been on a boat for like two hours and you come back and your face is burning because of the the winds just yeah. been hit? Yeah. That's what it felt like. It was really? just freezing, but really? glad I was there and almost saw a fight. And- What'd you think at 28 24 at halftime? Trailing 28-24 going to the break. I felt like I was vindicated by all my shit-talking on the defense the week before. That's what I felt. How'd you feel when the defense threw a shutout in the second half? Proud of them, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at halftime, I'm thinking, all I heard was Caleb, Caleb this, Caleb. If it wasn't Caleb, we've had eight sacks. Okay, how do we explain, is this quarterback as good as him or not quite as good as Caleb? But he's got 28 you, on him. Are you really going to do this? I, no, is, I was that just, the, is that what you, you want? You asked me what one? I was thinking. Is and... that what you want segment one to be? <laughs> yes. You're going to take a crap now on the Washington defense? When, when it was 28-24 at half, I thought they should have been booed. I, I and they, they Well, weren't. I was recommending that they fire both defensive coordinators <laughs> and send them off to the defensive coordinator golf match with the guy from USC that got fired. <laughs> and by the way, yeah, his, yeah. yeah he got, he, uh, yeah, yeah, it was awful. I just... Why not just play the backups? I was thinking. What, what, could they do worse than the starters? In it that was first half? an horrific oh. defensive performance in the first half, which leaves us looking for answers as to how they got it together in the second half. I mean, that was an incredible yeah. turnabout. Big I don't time. think, I, in fact, I don't know that I've ever seen a turnabout from one half to the other as far as like a defensive unit. You could not play worse than they played in the first half. And you were exonerated. And then you could not play. But they they essentially won the game for him in the second half. Yeah. They, they held him to nothing. Zero points. Zero points. Yeah. And that which is that one of my questions. The safety. I have. I've put together because I didn't know whether I should start with Washington's win over Utah on this Mitch Unfiltered episode 262 Kenosha. Or I should start with the Seahawks. Did we need that? Uh, just the Seahawks. <laughs> 
thrilling Did win. Did we ever need it? What do you mean? <laughs> Did we need it? People, I just, I'm telling you, it's easier to be a fan of the ballet. But I was wondering which to start with in segment one. So what I did is I put down 11 questions. Okay. That I want you to answer every one of them. Who, me? Yeah. Okay. And I want our listeners to, while you're paying attention to your phone or your podcast, wherever you're listening, I want you to answer these questions to yourself. Okay. There's 11 questions, and it's a mixture. It's not one topic or the other. It's a little bit of a mixture of both. Okay. Okay? Would you like me to start at question one? Sure. Let's go. Is it crazy that I'm still excited, this is question one, about the Seahawks' defense, even after the last two weeks where Lamar Jackson riddled them, and then they give up two late touchdown drives on Sunday, nearly blow the game, Give up 356 yards to Sam Howell yeah. and a limited offense. Is it crazy? Is it nuts that I'm still sitting here in front of you, like really excited to see what happens next to the Seahawks defense? My answer to that is yes. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Well, I mean, didn't it feel like two four and six teams were fighting out there? I mean, it just felt like a couple of We're bats. just talking about defense now. We'll get to the rest. Yeah. I don't know why. I still think... There's something special around the corner from this defense. I can't tell you that I can articulate why. Maybe it's there's young players like Boye Mafe I'm excited about yeah. and Devin Witherspoon, who I'm excited about. And um, the guy they got from the, the Giants. Tariq Woolen, I'm excited about. And Leonard Williams, yeah. I'm excited about. And Jaron Reed. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> but I am. I'm excited. I'm still excited to huh. see. The next chapter from the Seattle Seahawks defense. I kind of feel like, here's what I was prepared to come on the podcast and say, but it doesn't apply after the two late drives. I was going to say, you know what? Washington had two good plays the whole game, and they were like that busted thing where Sam Howell gets out of trouble and then makes the linebacker come to him, and then he tosses to the running back who's on the sideline who runs yeah. down for a That same play happened in both the first half right. and the second half. and. It probably combined for over 100 yards, those two plays. Yep. That's what I was prepared to say. And then the Washington Commanders <laughs> went on two long drives right. against the defense that I'm excited about. Great tackling, yes. I don't know. I'm just telling you I'm excited about him. I mean, I, I, I feel like it's not that far-fetched to think that this could be a shutdown defense by the season's end. And I... What's going to change? I'm Mr. Negative Nelly. All and right. I, I'm, I'm just telling you. Are the safeties kind of bugging you these days? No. You think they play well? No, you... no, I'm going to Okay, we're going to get there okay. in other all questions. Right, right. You're going to you're going to I'm just telling you. I think you're crazy to answer okay. question 1. Okay. So yes. question number 2. Am I weird to complain about Penix, DeBoer, and Grubbs' passing game when he's like on the verge of winning the Heisman <laughs> Trophy and they've got the pa best pass game in the country. Is it weird for me to complain and bitch and moan that they throw the long ball way too much? That they're always going for broke? Like one out of every two passes seems like is a, is a hurl to the end zone that they don't use the intermediate middle of the field crossing, you know, down, we used to call them down and ins when I was a kid. Yeah. Hey, go down and in, down and yeah, in. Yeah. Slants. Slants. Yeah. So what's the question? I'd like to see more of the, why does he have to throw it 60 <laughs> yards down the field every single time he backs up the throw? 
So that's I was, my question. I was going to come on and ask you if you think he relies a little too much on throwing the jump ball to Odunze. It's, well, that's kind of a 50-yard toss down the field into the end zone. I, I think we're talking about the same thing. Kind of the same Because I was going to say, percentage. I feel like he, re, I mean, it works sometimes because you have a great receiver out there. I just feel like he's, I'm in trouble. Let me just throw it. It'll be a 50-50. I think that's what he does. It bothers I, me. I think when he, when he sees nothing. Yeah. His default is, I'm just going to throw it into the end zone right, right now. Yep. Like it's a Hail Mary every yeah. single play. Because you have an all-world receiver when, who might catch it. When and, and, and somebody could, again, email me and tell me I'm wrong. I don't have any stats to back this up, so I could be wrong. It felt like last year, he used they used a lot more intermediate catching runs, yeah. getting guys on slants, getting yep. guys, you know, beating the mismatches, schemes, yeah. scheming guys wide open 12, 15 yards down. It seemed like that was more prevalent a year ago than it is now. And I sat there during the first half of the game when they were losing, wondering, why does he have to throw the ball as far as he can throw it every single down? Yeah. But again, what do I know? They're just about to win a Heisman Trophy. <laughs> That's so. right. And they're 10-0 for the first time in 30 years. Question number three. Let's bitch about them. Here's my question to you, number three. Should I be impressed that Jamal Adams somehow sniffs out every play and is always in position to make the play? Or pissed off that in most cases, he doesn't make the play after he's in <laughs> position to make the play? Yeah. Am I wrong about that? No, you're not. That's kind of what I was. The whole first half, I, I was know. like, oh, my God, he's all over the field. He's right. And then he misses the tackle. Not really a factor, was he? I mean, it's just I like. I think he is a factor, like a negative, sometimes a negative factor. <laughs> not a positive well, factor. Well, go back and look at the, the first touchdown. Yeah. Do you remember the first touchdown? Yeah. The play to the running back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes in on the blitz. He's right there. He's got a free shot. I don't even think the quarterback made any kind of a juke. He just missed. <laughs> that is and then the juke. quarterback throws to the running back and runs 70 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. It felt like the whole first half. He was around. He's got an I got to get, and I'm not joking. He's got an incredible nose. And you would know. Okay. Go on. I'm listening. Yes. Okay. Really? <laughs> Can't even get to Go on. Forget it. I'm not asking my questions. Anymore. We're not going to get through 11 really? with you anyway. Really? He yes, does have are. an incredible nose for the ball. He's around, always around the ball. Yes. He's around the ball. Yeah. Just but can't they, finish it but off, But they right? break the tap. He yeah. doesn't. And, and almost sometimes it doesn't even look like he wants to make the tap. Like he wants to block a guy down. <laughs> I'm sure he wants to make the tap. No, no, no. You, I mean, you played. Yeah. They tell you to wrap up. He 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 wants to body blow you down. He, he wants to blow people up. He just no no yeah. no no. I'm not saying he wants to blow people up. He just wants to he wants to knock you down without putting your his arms or he doesn't yeah. want to use his arms. Now maybe you tell up. me he's had a shoulder problem and arm problems and all kinds. I don't of, know if you can play. Either you can or you can't. I mean he's around the ball. Yeah, he is around the ball. Anyway, it's best to not think about his salary. That'll help you sleep at night, considering what he's making for what we're getting. Just forget that. He's just a safety. I'll be too busy snoring because of my schnoz. Uh, number four. <laughs> yeah. I guess we've already talked about this. What odds could I have gotten at halftime from a Vegas casino? Super a sports book. <laughs> yeah. If I went up with like a with like a glass of wine, I went, can somebody get, I, I want to bet on Utah scoring zero in the second half. <laughs> yeah. Bring your money, you Mr. Bring Levy. Bring Vito in, the manager. <laughs> yeah. I just, t I have 10 grand right here. Just set me the odds. Mm -hmm. I know it's not up on your board. Here's $10,000. Give me odds on Washington. 
who held Utah to 28 in the first half. Yeah, pitching a shutout. Pitching a shutout. In what? the second half. 100 to 1, 50 to 1, yeah, 25 to 1. 50, but yeah. 50, 50 to, to 1. 1. Yeah. yeah. Could be a wealthy guy uh, right you, now. <laughs> you could have been, yes. <laughs> Number five, does Gino deserve Seahawks fans credit after all of the bashing that's taken place for the late drive, the 31 of 47, 369, two touchdowns, zero picks, despite some really bad throws, that horrible decision at the end of the first half that cost him three points where he got called for grounding and then they had the 10-second yeah. or the 15-second runoff. Does Geno deserve credit from Seahawks fans this week? It just feels like everyone's got such a quick hook with him. Oh. It's just he can... Uh, he can he, do no right. He could do 12, now? 12 games in a row and people does would Does he deserve credit? I, yes you have or no? to, I would give him credit. Look, does he take shit when they lose? Yeah. Yeah, he does. And so we have to give him credit when he takes them down and they get the game. Greatest performance goal. on Sunday. The greatest performance? No, grade. Oh, greatest grade, performance? Greatest performance on Sunday. I mean, they got the win. So I'm going to say B minus. He was a B minus? He took him down the field for the game-winning yeah. field goal. But he had he some was 31 shit of 47. Throws. Okay. Right. right? I mean, did he look 372 touchdowns, no picks? <laughs> that's pretty gaudy numbers. It's pretty amazing. That's a B minus. Maybe you're one of the Seahawks fans. <laughs> Maybe I am, and I don't know it. Number six. <laughs> Are these games not stressful enough, Hotshot? That I have to root for a team where a player drops the ball a yard and a half before crossing the goal line for a pick six? That was, I'm sitting there with my friend Jeremy. Yeah. He, he goes, I think he dropped it. I, I think he, I think he so just obvious. dropped it. I, I noticed it live on, on the television. That's unbelievable. I couldn't believe that the two or three Washington Huskies that were trailing the play that were going in to celebrate with him after the pick six. No one else saw it. But it was right there in front of those two guys. I just kept thinking about the film session next week or this week, whenever you listen to this, sitting there in the film session with all of the, he's going to get, oh God. Is it not stressful enough? I know, I know. Do you have to? Really, can you just hold the football until you get across the goal line? Is, is that too much to ask? It looks like it is, yes. I really need to subscribe to the ballet. Def I need season <laughs> tickets to the Defensive ballet. players trying to do things that offensive players do have been torturing me since the beginning of time, and that's another one. Number seven. Why am I always rooting for the team that get that gets penalized more than the opponent. Why am I always mm. on the side, whether it's the Seahawks yeah. or the Dolphins or the Huskies <laughs> or Syracuse, or if I happen to make a bet on a game, <laughs> I'm always on the side that has the nine the nine penalties for right. 85 yards. I'm always on the side that has the false start on first and ten. So now it's first and fifteen. Yeah. I'm always on the side that has Illegal use of the hand. That's yeah, an automatic first down. Yeah. Is it me? What did I do? Why do I deserve this? Or your team is third and 12 and they pick up the first down. Hold oh, it. Yes. Replay third, third and 20. Oh, yes. God. I'm, I'm always. Why? Can I one time be on the other side? <laughs> it must be nice. I don't know it's either. Unbelievable. Number eight. You may not know about this because you were at the game. Maybe you didn't see it. Maybe you did late in the game. Why doesn't your center snap the ball? in a crucial moment when he sees three defensive linemen jump off sides into the neutral zone, yeah. why does he let them get back? I, and then you don't get the penalty for offsides. You've got a free five yards. All you need to do, I think, is move as a result of them being in the neutral zone. You can just pop out of your stance. Yeah. Or just, if you're the center, you see those guys, three guys in the neutral, just snap the ball. And isn't and it a free play, by the way, too? It's a free play, yeah. 
You could score a touchdown. Again, yeah. if I'm on the other side, they always snap the ball. <laughs> That's exactly right. my guys that jump into the neutral zone, <laughs> right. never do I get off the hook. Am yeah. I let off the hook on that? No, 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 no. Did never. you see the play that I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, I know about? what you're talking about. Oh, my God. I know. It's frustrating. Do you remember one of the greatest Seahawks, if you're a Seahawks fan, one of the greatest moments ever of that happening, but on the good side of it? Oh, I don't remember ever being on the good well, side. Well, I, I can think of one. Okay. It was was against, it like Steve Largent? And no, the it days was before Russell Wilson, and he hits uh, Jermaine Curse on a free play right down the middle for, I think it might have oh. been a, against 49ers? the pa- Packers, Packers, maybe. Packers, yeah. yeah. Free play? But I, that's okay. only one I can think of where it worked in my favor. I don't like to remember those. <laughs> that's true. You it's know. no fun remembering those. <laughs> Um, number nine, do I need to change my ways when it comes to Jason Myers, the place kicker of the Seattle Seahawks? You're talking about the captain of the special team. Yes. I'm talking about Seahawks the captain, team the, captain, yes, Jason I'm talking Myers, about Seahawks team captain. Yeah. I think it five might be, for five, yeah. Jason Myers. When it was nine to six, were you thinking, oh boy, this is the kind of game it's going to be. It's going to come down. It's going to be 15 to 12. I don't trust that guy (laughs) as far as I can throw him. You still don't. No, but I have to give him credit. I guess if I'm asking Seahawks fans to give Geno a little credit, then I suppose I have to give credit to the special teams captain of your Seattle Seahawks after five for five. Yeah. Okay. By the way, that Russell touchdown to curse was, you're right, the Niners. It was, was I think Niners. it was in the championship okay. game. Yeah. Okay. Number 10. Oh, oh, you have something to add before I go to number 10? Jason Myers? Yes. It was the Packers. I'm so wrong. <laughs> I okay. saw NFC Championship. I forgot they he played. made big catches against everybody. I guess, yeah. All, all Jermaine Curse did. That's right, yeah. I mean, he was, and I don't want to say this because I'll piss somebody off. Somebody might know him. I, I'm not going to say it. What? I was just going to say, no no mediocre or worse wide receiver made more big plays in their NFL careers. No. He did, though, didn't he? I always thought of him as as worse than average. What about at UW? Remember he had that trouble with the drops for a while? Yeah, then he got they LASIK. He, got eyes, he had yeah. eye problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I He did make some, some big ones, some he big did. catches. Huge. Memorable. Huge and his biggest didn't pay off because they didn't run the ball. Had they run the ball for oh, their second God. consecutive Super Bowl, the biggest one, the juggling on his back ball. Forgot about that one. Yeah. That's the biggest one. That that will that would have gone down right. as of all the plays, the biggest one he's ever made. Because you win a Super Bowl, right? And that, he yeah. just comes up with that ball somehow, some way. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Where was I? Number 10? Maybe I know the answer to this question. Did it feel to to you like it did to me that the Seahawks were this close on Sunday? to like seven or eight different sacks, but just couldn't couldn't get the quarterback down. Yeah. And yet they they, they finished with three sacks on the day, which it feels like they had more, but they didn't right. have more. No, there was some good pressure. It does feel I that way. I thought there was some good pressure. Yeah. I guess it's one of the reasons why I'm excited about the, uh, the Seahawks defense. And then my final question, number 11. What does it say to us? All of us Husky fans. That UW opens a one-point favorite in Corvallis against Oregon State. Essentially, the odds makers in Vegas, and you know what Pino used to say, there's a reason why they live in big houses and send their kids to Ivy League schools. They know. Mitch, they know. They're calling it a toss-up. A toss-up game for undefeated Washington against Oregon State, who I believe hung 60 on Stanford on Saturday. One point favorite. 
even Steven. So the Huskies are a one-point favorite. Huskies are a one-point favorite. Well, Essentially, would, it's a pick em. I'd say what your old buddy used to say. They got the wrong team favored, Mitch. You think they're going to lose? Oh, yeah. I, I, this, 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 I said that this last week. This is a perfect week. segue for Mr. Playoffs. I Mr. said, that, I said that last week. I, you asked if they're going to run the table. I said I think they take two out of three, and I think the one at Research Stadium is the one they're going to drop. I just do. It just I, I felt and that then, way early on. And you've also said, so for whatever it's worth, you've also been very clear that you don't think they're winning the rematch with Oregon. And I don't think a lot of people, there, there's a lot of people in this world that would not disagree with that. I think the, I don't the, want to see I think Oregon the, again. Well, you're going to see Oregon oh, again. God. The, majority, the majority of the people around the college football world would actually agree with you. And I think Washington will be an underdog. I would agree. In yeah. that game against, so you think they're going to lose to both Oregon State, and then Oregon. And they're going to finish 11-2. and two. Not rooting for that, everyone. Mm. Save your tweets. That's what I think will happen. Yes. Well, then, Mr. Playoffs. It, for you, Mr. College Football Playoffs is not necessary. <laughs> because there is because no. There's no. At two losses, we know there's no playoffs. Correct. That's exactly right. Yeah. And we know there is a playoff with zero losses. There, There is no scenario. It is 100%. There is zero chance. That if Washington does what you think they can't do, yeah. in fact, you don't think they'll come close to doing, which is beat Oregon State, beat Washington State, mm -hmm. and then beat Oregon again Whoa. or whomever they play in the Pac-12 title game and finish, what, 13-0? and 0? That's a done deal. Yeah. If they do that, it's a done deal, right? Playoffs. 100%. Right. Okay. So then the, the question for Mr. Playoffs remains what it's been the last few weeks, which is, what about a one-loss Huskies team? Yeah. And I think we are getting dangerously... Now, now we've always said, on this show anyway, Mr. Playoffs has always said, you got to remember there's two versions of a one-loss Washington Huskies team. There's version A, which is the version that beats Oregon State, beats Washington State, and then loses to, let's say, Oregon in the Pac-12 final, yep, right? Yep. That's a one-loss Washington team. Finishes, what, 12-1? and one. Yep. Only losses to Oregon. Only losses to Oregon, and they beat them earlier in the year. Yeah, on a neutral field. And they're not, and they're not the conference champions. Right. Oregon, in that case, is the conference. Right. And then there's version B, or 2, which is the Huskies team that loses to Oregon State this week or loses to Washington State as their one loss, uh -huh. but then goes and beats Oregon for a second time and is 12-1 and one or whatever it yeah. is and Pac-12 champions and two wins potentially over the mighty Oregon Ducks. Those are two different versions of one-loss Washington teams. Mr. Playoffs always feels like you got to define that. Right. Because one is much better than the other. Yes. One gives you much more chance than the other. Dare I ask you well, whether you, you can come up with which one is much better than the other? If version A... Or version B, please give me the right answer. I, I, I tuned out about an hour ago. So. <laughs> okay, so I've lost everybody's what <laughs> yeah, you're saying? Yeah, you've lost me for sure. You don't know the two versions? I, I, I do, do I have to do that again for two versions? Well, I think the version where they lose to Wazoo but beat Oregon State and Oregon would be the better one, right? Okay, that's version right? two. Yeah, okay, we're, yeah. we're on to something. All right, yeah. Why? Well, because Oregon State's a pretty good team. No, that's not why. That's not why? No. Beating Oregon... Twice, Twice is impressive. And being Pac-12 champions. Yes. Well, right, yes. That's and, it. and by beating Oregon, if Oregon wins out to that game, what happens if you lose to Oregon in that game? 
Oregon goes to the college football playoff with one loss, and you'd have to yeah. be the second Pac-12 team to go. Okay? And that's not happening, right? Well, it that's what I was going to say. I'm going to talk about Mr. Playoffs was going to, until I, I lost you, <laughs> talk, talk to you yeah. about version A and version B. Okay. Version B is a lot better, real quickly, what you said, which is lose one of these regular games, these one of these last two games, yeah. and then beat Oregon and be Pac-12 champions at 12-1 and one right. with two wins over Oregon and knocking Oregon from the conversation. If your only loss is Oregon, you're not the Pac-12, you're not the Pac-12 champ, so that, that's, that's no right. good. Yeah. So that's version A. Yeah, right, yeah. So version B is better than version A. Right. Okay. So what Mr. Playoffs will tell you before we get to the interviews and the other stuff segment on episode Kenosha, Wisconsin, is... We are getting dangerously close. It's not zero right now. Version A. I'm talking about version A, okay. where you're not the Pac-12 champs, right. and you finish 12 and one, but Oregon beats you right. in the rematch. It's not zero, but it's getting very close. You need lots of upsets around the country for that. You're asking for the committee to take two Pac-12 teams, including you, who are not Pac-12 champions in version A. Right. We are getting close to zero as your chance yeah. that a one-loss Washington team, version A, has a chance to go to the tur- to the tournament. Meaning that, like that? Michigan has to lose two, Ton- Ohio State tons has of to lose two. A lot of things have to happen. A lot of things have to happen. Yeah, yeah. The biggest problem with that is what we just said. Oregon's going in that scenario. Yeah. So that's one spot. That's one out of the four. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah, they're in. They're in. If, yeah, yeah. if they went out and they beat you. Yep, they're in. Well, for the most part, they're in. Let's just put it this way. If they're not in. We're definitely not, they're not in. in. Yeah. They are probably 75 or 80% in that scenario to get in. Yeah. What I can tell you for sure is if they don't get into that scenario, Forget you're not it. going into that scenario. Yeah. You need two. So you're down to very small chances. So now let's talk about version B which is losing one of these next two, yeah. but beating Oregon for a second time, 12-1, and Pac-12 champs, beat Oregon Oregon's twice. out, you've beaten Oregon twice, they've yeah. lost two games, and you are the team that beat them both times. Yeah, bo- top 10 now school. You're talking about a, a, now you're talking about a one-loss Washington team, as opposed to version A, right. that's got... I'm going to pick my adjectives very carefully. Okay. I don't know that I want to say a healthy chance, but a chance, but a you know a a middle a middle range chance of getting in huh. with one loss. You thought I was going to say more? Yeah, maybe a little more. Be that I would sign yeah, up for yeah. scenario B. You would right in now. a heart right now instead of taking my chances with them running the table. Really beating Oregon in the in the Pac-12 championship okay. game and only only dropping one of the next two against Oregon State or what? Of course I'd sign up for that. Okay, I don't see them running the table the next three. That's going to be yeah. tough sled. Okay. Mr. Plows is willing to, to dance with you on that. Okay, thank you. And make them, let's say, 60%, 70, 60%, 50%, somewhere in there, version two, getting in. Okay. Here's the scenario which you dread. The scenario which every Huskies fan of version two or version one, version B of the Huskies, and by the way, Oregon fans, Dread. Okay. Because this is a scenario where I could see Oregon running the table, beating Washington, and still not getting in. Mm. No Pac-12 team getting in. Here's the scenario. Okay. Okay. Now, think about this now. I don't want to lose you. Think about this. Florida State. They play North Alabama this week. Okay. Then they play at Florida. Okay. Which is a rivalry game, though. Florida lost by like 30 to LSU this weekend. 
And then they probably play Louisville in the ACC championship game. They are going to be favorites and probably healthy favorites in all three games. Yep. If they run the table, they're 13-0 and in ACC champs. In. And remember, we're talking about the version two of the of the Huskies. Right. One loss, Pac-12 champs. Who, yep. get, who gets in if it's, there's one spot? 13-0 ACC champ or the 12-1 and mm. Washington Huskies? Who gets in? 13 and 0 ACC champ. Yeah. Okay. Ohio State plays Michigan. Yep. Let's say they're undefeated when they play, and all odds and all things point to them being undefeated in a couple weeks when they play. Let's say the winner of that game wins the, the Big Ten easy playoff game the next week and is 13 and 0. Yep. Who gets in a 13 and 0 Ohio State Michigan or a 12 and 1 Pac 12 champion, but 12 and 1? Huskies that lost at Oregon State. Not close. Ohio State or Michigan. How many is that so far? That's two. Alabama has lost one time. Okay. To Texas at home. If Alabama runs the table and they're going to be heavy favors to do it and ends up in the SEC championship game and wins the SEC championship game, they would finish 12-1 and with a loss at home to Texas who would get in a 12 and 1 SEC champion Alabama with a home loss to Texas or a 12 and 1 Huskies with a road loss at Oregon State or a home loss to Washington State? I know what I would have said last year and years past, but I feel like the Pac-12's got a little more you don't th- you don't think it has a little more respect this this year? You don't think people around the Let's country say think it's a tough conference? We're talking about Alabama. I know who you're talking being about. Being the 12 and 1 SEC champs with a win over Georgia in the title game of the SEC, the two-time defending over champion Georgia, Georgia who's undefeated, who's undefeated uh, right yeah. now. And we're talking about their one loss being to Texas and your one loss being to Oregon State or, or Washington Wazoo, State. Yeah. Who gets in? 12 and 1 Washington? Uh. Pac-12 champs or 12 and one Alabama SEC champs? You know the answer yeah, to that Alabama, question. Alabama, unfortunately. You don't want to risk the eyeballs of your firstborn no, 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 on no. that one, do no. you? <laughs> no, I do not. That's how many? That'd be three so far. And stay with me. Okay. Now Georgia. Yeah. Georgia wins out. They go into the SEC championship game. 12 and 0. We just talked about that SEC championship game. Yep. They're the two-time defending national champs. And they lose like 31-30 to Alabama yeah. in the SEC championship game. Who gets in? A 12-1 Georgia team that has not won the SEC championship but has done everything else and only one loss on a neutral field by one point to Alabama or a 12-1 Huskies team that's lost at Oregon State or Washington State but is Pac-12 champions. Who gets in? You should have this conversation with New Heights. He's much smarter than me. I, Who I, gets in? I guess you take Georgia. I guess you have to. And the Pac-12 gets snubbed after the start that this conference had. Let's not take Georgia. Okay. But in this scenario that I just gave you, we've got Florida State. Yep. That's one spot. In. We've got the Ohio State-Michigan undefeated team. That's two spots. You had to work with me on it, but let's just say they've taken Alabama as his SEC champion with one loss to Texas. It's pretty rare that they don't take the, yeah, SEC, the SEC champion. Right, he's the SEC okay. champion. Yeah. That's three. So now we've got one spot left. Right. We've got Georgia, 12-1 and one with a neutral field loss to Alabama. Yeah. Right? Who's in? Who's in? Yeah, good team. We've got Washington, 12-1 and one with a loss to Oregon State or Washington State. And let me just throw 
Just as, as if there's not enough curveballs I'm throwing at you, I'll throw one last one at you. Texas goes undefeated the rest of the way. Oh, gosh. They finish 12-1. and one. Yeah. One loss to Oklahoma. They're Big 12 champs with a win at Tuscaloosa over Alabama. Who's getting it? You got one spot for Georgia, Texas, or a 12-1 and one Washington team. So, look. look we have you, to extend the playoffs is what I would say to you at this point. That's next year. Yes. That's next year. Let's extend it. I'm just, oh, I'm just sharing with you scenarios where that version two team, you ask why are they not 70 or maybe they are 80%. Maybe you tell me, Mitchie, Florida State's going to lose one of these games. Well, that as soon as Florida State loses a game, now you're in bit. Now we're really in business because they're talking, out. Yeah. Florida State. Fl- I can tell you if Florida State loses to Northern Alabama or Florida or Louisville in the ACC championship game, that version two of the Washington Huskies, yeah. they're in over Florida because ACC sucks. I would agree with you. And yes. they're out. They're yeah. out. FSU's out. They have no no room for error at this point. FSU. FSU's yeah. got zero room for yeah, error. Yeah, yeah. So if we can get an up, we but we need. But what I'm saying is we need upsets. Right. We need an upset here. Can we get Ohio State or Michigan to not only lose to each other, but lose a game where they're 20-something point favorites or the championship game of the Big Ten where they play that other division? where they? We need an upset. Can we get Alabama to lose to Auburn? They're going to be, you know, huge favorites against Auburn. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you would say, here's what happens. Here's our here's our ace in the hole. Okay. Okay. And I'll end it. I'll end Mr. Playoffs with this. But I do I have, have one question. Ha- okay, you. if I haven't lost you already, here's our ace in the hole. We got the twelve and one Huskies, right? Mm-hmm. They're Pac-12 champs, right? Yep. They've beaten Oregon twice, right? Yep. Okay. Alabama goes undefeated into the SEC championship game. Georgia goes undefeated into the SEC championship game. Right. Yeah. And we get a drag out, bang out Georgia-Alabama game. Kirby Smart versus his old mentor, Nicky Saban. If Georgia wins that game, Georgia's in, undefeated SEC champ. Easy. FSU's in if they go to run the table. Ohio State-Michigan is in. So we we got one spot. Now Alabama's got two losses and they're not the SEC championship game winner. They're out. They're out. They're out. Yes. And... What else does it do? It waters down Texas's win. That's right. It's a double whammy. That's right. It's yeah. a double whammy. It makes Texas's win in Tuscaloosa now a win over a non-playoff team yep. instead of a playoff team. Now, version two of Washington. Now we're in the talking. Field. So I guess what Mr. Playoffs is saying is, go Georgia Bulldogs in the SEC championship match. Kick your ass. Yeah. Against Alabama. Yeah. Ah, just win by a point. Because that's Alabama's second loss. They are not putting Alabama with yeah, two losses right. and no SEC championship win over Watt. Okay, now as you're much playing. as they'd want to. <laughs> How much should I lose you, folks? Sorry if that was minutia. So scenario B, we've been talking about scenario the Hus- version two of the Huskies. The Huskies right. lose either at Oregon State or to Wazoo. We've been saying right. They're- they drop one of those. One of the two. So, I'd rather it be Oregon State, and I'd rather it be controversial by one point. My question is, does it help or hurt them, depending on which game they lose? Yeah, sure. That's what I'm wondering. Or, or well, sure. Or does the committee go, eh, just... No, no, no. no. Well, I'm not, I'm not in the room. I'm a rider stand, I'm not a cockroach but, in the room. But to me, if, if the cockroach they... Cockroach with the schnoz. What's if, the cockroach if, with the schnoz doing in here? If they lose to Wazoo, yes. that really hurts them, right? More Much, than losing on the road at Oregon yeah, State. Yeah, you want to lose at Oregon State yeah. in controversial fashion by a half a point. A quarter of a point. <laughs> okay, good. Yes. A quarter of a point. All right. Of course. Other stuff segment after three interviews. Mitch Unfiltered. 
Here we are together again with Lindsay Schwartz of Daniels Broiler, and it's hard to believe, Lindsay. It feels like yesterday we were playing golf in 80 degrees, and now, bam, Thanksgiving is here, and Thanksgiving, to me anyway, always reeked of Daniels Broiler. Hey, Mitch, yeah, Thanksgiving is here, Seattle fall weather is here, but it's Daniels time of year. It's uh, what better place to be in this kind of weather? What better place to be on Thanksgiving? We've talked before, it's our busiest day of the year and uh, we're pumped, it's coming up. So where are you? I know you're pretty much booked at most of the locations. We're going actually, we're trying something different. The Levy family is going to the downtown Seattle location and the Hyatt, your newest location for the buffet. Yeah, you're right. We book up fast like we've talked about before, and we're pretty booked up at uh, at the other three locations. You might still be able to find a spot here and there. But, uh, you know, the downtown location, it's our newest. It's also our biggest. So we've got lots of tables. And uh, at this point, we've still got lots of spots open. And I'm glad you're going there. The cool thing about that one is it's buffet style. So that's the only place where we do an all-you-can-eat buffet. Right. We've got everything you would expect for Thanksgiving. We got turkey and stuffing and gravy and mashed potatoes and yams. But then we, you know, we're Daniels. So we've got a carved prime rib, carved smoked ham. We've got oven roasted salmon. Uh, we've got it all and it's all you can eat. So why wouldn't you? $75 at that location, 80 at the others. That's right. That's right. And the less shy location, the original Daniels broiler. How many years ago? 40, 50 years ago? Yeah, we opened in 1980. So let's, uh, that USC math, I think it's, uh, let me get my second hand. Yeah, 40, 43 years. Is that right? And it's reopening because you've gone through a major remodel at the original location. It's opening like Thanksgiving Day, right? Yeah, seriously. And it's the, it's the first time that uh, we've done a major remodel. We've done carpet and replaced furniture and yeah. paint and, you know, things that you do. But this, we've basically just wiped it out on the inside and redid it. It's going to look completely different, but of course, still have the same awesome views, even better views, because we're, we're uh, making some changes to the windows to make the view even more accessible. So love yeah, it, I can't it. wait to see. It's going to be great. Daniel's broiler for the holidays and a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. And then the check down. Walker, the defender in front of him, stumbled and that gets Walker space. And now Walker with extra space. Down the sideline. He is gone. Touchdown, Seattle. Under four to play. Smith on the roll. Throws for the goal line. It is snap good hold good kick seattle wins it we came right back and played the way we've been playing the last six weeks uh from from start to finish playing tough and hard and, and they haven't been all you know pretty wins all the way but it's that's not what i'm talking about. i'm talking about the way we finished today and, and the attitude and their their resolve seahawks no table in the wake of a heart-stopping last play victory over the Washington Commanders on this episode, 262 of Mitch Unfiltered. Taco Time Northwest delivers the note table. We'll be eagerly awaiting Brian and Brady's weekly Who Was Doing Some Work Award. Join the team by checking out tacotimenw.com. Brian, do we have to tip our hats to Jason Myers on this episode 262 of Mitch Unfiltered? Hey, man. Uh, you go in there and kick five chippy field goals 
you do your job. I, I, I guess you tip <laughs> your hat to the guy. I mean, I'm, I'm happy he made him instead of missed him. But uh, chippy field goals. Yeah, I mean, they were all over 40 yards, weren't they? The guy has one field goal over 50 yards the whole year. So but 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 yes, I'm very happy. Jason Myers made all his field goals. I'm very happy that the Seahawks played a relatively, relatively mistake free game and uh, happy the Seahawks got a victory. But boys, this was a this is another weird game in what has been a very weird Seahawks season. Brady, I didn't think I'd ever find somebody more stubborn to give someone credit <laughs> who he doesn't like than me. I'm the I'm the king of being unwilling to waver. Brady Henderson. Especially when it comes to Jason Myers. I'll, as much as I'm a Bobo honk, you are the opposite of that as far <laughs> as Jason Myers. Brady, why did the uh, the Seahawks win the game on Sunday against the Washington Commanders? Give me the two biggest reasons why they were victorious. Well, because Geno Smith was really good on those final two drives. Now, you could maybe argue that you know he was so shaky that it, and that's why it sort of came down to uh, those final two drives. Obviously, the defense had something to do with that, with giving up that 10-play touchdown drive to Sam Howell near the end of regulation, but this was a weird game. It was also a weird day for Geno Smith. He, you know, for the first, what, 50 minutes of the game, 45 minutes of the game, whatever it was. I mean, he was, he was shaky. There was missed throws, you know, the three weird penalties. Now, one of those, he confirmed post game that on the fourth down play, they, they weren't going to run the play there. They were just trying to draw Washington offsides. And I think he got flagged for what yeah. ended up being a pretty yeah. inconsequential uh, false start. I think it was, but there was also the delay. Who knows if that's totally on him. And then that awful grounding penalty at the end of the first half. And we can get into that whole sequence, that botch sequence there um, later, but you know, just missing a couple open throws. Now, one of those misfires, Pete Carroll confirmed that that was, you know, the receiver not being on the same page with Gino. So, you take away one of those and still it was, it was kind of shaky for the first, you know, four, three plus quarters of that game. And then he's just brilliant on the final two drives, you know, goes four or six for 50 yards uh, on that last drive. And one of those incompletions was the spike to set up the game winner. So uh, just an odd day. I, I don't know if we can say that Gino is back all the way, but this should at the very least turn down some of the heat that's been well, on him the last few weeks. Well, that's the question, Brian. Does he deserve all the mistakes notwithstanding that Brady just so eloquently designed for us? Does Gino deserve at least for the next seven days, six days to have Seahawks fans off his back or not? Well, you'd think when a guy throws for a career high, 369 yards, uh, two more than his previous career high, uh, 367, which was set against the Rams last year. You'd think so. Two, two touchdowns, no interceptions, not one, but two drives at the end of the game to take the lead and one to win it. Anyone that watched that first half and anyone that's watched the last few weeks couldn't feel confident about Geno Smith in that pocket. And it was weird. I think Brady, I think it was you that tweeted out in the first half. He wasn't even under pressure. He was under pressure a very few amount of times and he still was not making good choices. He was not, he did not look comfortable. He didn't look confident back there. So I don't know. I, I think it's fine for people to maybe not have as much ammunition, but I think we need, I, I think we need a few more games like this mm. to feel like Geno Smith is, is uh, a guy that you can actually feel confident going into a game with. You know, they call me the quarterback whisperer on podcasts, Brady. Um, actually, nobody <laughs> calls me. Nobody calls me the quarterback whisperer. But I'm going to give you a theory on what's going on with Geno Smith right now. 
I think he's got some inner turmoil, and I could be completely wrong. It feels to me like he's got some inner conflict on when to take a chance, when to let let it go, maybe throw a, a, a low percentage play, and when not to. I think he's thinking a lot, trying to figure out, is this the time to do it, or should I hold the ball, or should I throw it away? I think last year in the first nine games, he was just letting the thing fly and good things were happening. Happening, And now I think he's wondering, when do I take a chance and when do I not take a chance? Is that possible? And that's leading to him being indecisive and just looking overall uncomfortable in the pocket. Uh, I, I think that's completely possible because it's not like, you know, the arm strength suddenly isn't there. It's not like the accuracy is no I mean, the accuracy has been a little shaky but you know it's he makes it, throws it, it that seems you, more he makes right. throws that you shake your head and you say not a lot of guys in the league making that throw right. I mean he does right. make throws every single game two or three that show off his potential and that's why I say it's something else it's something between the ears with him yeah it, it seems to be more about the decision making and, and making bad decisions or sometimes holding on to the ball too long and the and I do think that there is merit to what you're saying I was talking to my buddy Brock Heward who obviously played quarterback in the NFL and we were talking about the difference and how much more effective he's been in play action compared to pure dropback situations and Brock made the point that you know when you go play action that tends to simplify things for the quarterback because there's there's less of a read that's a less complex read just because you don't have time to do a whole field read, you know, when you, your eyes are, you know, not downfield, your eyes are, you know, sort of faking that handoff. And so that ends up being, it ends up, you know, simplifying things for quarterbacks. And Brock's mm -hmm. theory was that maybe that's why he's been so much better in play action. Go look at the, the numbers that I tweeted the other day. I mean, it's, it's completely night and day. Um, and I don't know what they look like after this game, but for the first eight games, it was, it's really stark, and so I do think there is merit to your point. I wonder if the play-action stuff is maybe uh, illustrative of that. You know, there's there was four things I had in my Geno Smith get well plan that I, I talked about, not on this show, but on on my show uh, previous week. Ring the bell. Uh, and, and all four of them came into play Sunday. Yeah. Uh, the first was Geno Smith has got to throw the ball away when there's no play to be made and for the first time I think all season we saw him throw the ball away a couple of times today I was the only one in the stadium cheering thank you for not doing something stupid to actually hit your swing passes your 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 outlet passes to get the ball out of there if there's nothing downfield this is not just him it's also Shane Waldron Shane Waldron has not been giving him outlet passes they've all been routes down the field there were outlet passes in the game and Shane Waldron hasn't been having those previously. So you give him credit for that. And then you got to have a running game, which they did. They didn't go to it as much as I would like, but they had one. And finally, I forgot the fourth thing. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the fourth thing. Last thing I will just say is I think what I saw was Geno Smith has been running scared for weeks from all the pressure. I think it took him a half of decent pass protection yeah. to start trusting it. And the second half, guys, he had over 220 yards passing and two touchdowns. He looked a lot more like the guy that he's been. Let me, let me go back to the conflict that I think he's having of when to take a chance and when not. I don't know whether you guys, you both were at the game, so I don't know whether you guys watch the TV tape at some point during the week or you don't. If you do, I want you to pay attention to 
no one probably watched except for me, and no one probably noticed except for me. Right before the last drive, when they got the ball in the tie game, there's a cutaway on TV, Brady, where you actually see Geno Smith talking to Pete Carroll on the sideline before he's about to run in for the first play. There's what, like 38, 40 seconds? I don't know what it was. 45 seconds? Something like that. And if I'm not mistaken, if somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, you can actually see Pete Carroll, I believe, if you lip read him, say to Geno Smith, I don't care if we go to overtime, it's fine. Something like that. Almost to yeah. say, what is he saying there? Don't go make that, a that's mistake. That's exactly what he said. Don't, don't go make a mistake now. And I don't know that that helps. Now, obviously, he went out and he executed and DK executed. They got in. But this is what I'm talking about. I think Geno's got a lot of shit going on in his head. When do I take a shot and when do I not? And when his head coach is essentially indirectly in his own Pete Carroll type of way saying, hey, don't worry if we go to overtime. Overtime is fine. What is he really saying to his quarterback right there? Be careful. He's saying, be careful. Don't throw it away right now. Yeah, well, that is exactly what he said. And I think uh, Pete Carroll and Geno Smith both confirmed that uh, afterwards, saying that Carroll was was basically telling him, hey, it's okay to go to overtime here, meaning don't take an unnecessary shot. And I I think that is the kind of thing that he needs to hear in a situation like that. If, If he's uncertain about when to take a shot versus when not to, then, you know, a good stern reminder about the situation. I think that's what he needed at the end of the first half when they botched that uh, that field goal opportunity there. So um, I, I don't think that was Carroll putting any undue pressure on him. I think that was a head coach reminding the quarterback of the situation and exactly what can he I, should and should not do. Can that. I politely, and I'll go to Brian on this, can I politely disagree with you? My favorite, no. all, my fa- if my favorite, <laughs> I can't, okay. My favorite all-time NFL player, my favorite all-time NFL player, if he were sitting here today, would be cringing with what you just said. And that's Dan Marino. Dan Marino used to tell Hugh Millen, you talk about your buddy, your buddy Brock Heward. He used to tell Dan Marino, LTFF, LTFF, let the fucker fly. Marino always <laughs> subscribed to the theory, don't think when we quarterbacks start thinking in the pocket about when we should throw it and how we should take it, that you're, you're, you're ruined at that particular. Now, you maybe you would say, Brian, well, he was Dan Marino. He wasn't Geno Smith. But the, the theory is still the same. I'd like to see him free himself up from all of the questions in his mind. When do I take a shot? When don't I take a shot? I'd like to see him just play play and I think that's what he did for nine weeks last year I think he just played and didn't worry about it I think where you're right for sure Mitch is in the first half of this game Geno Smith looked absolutely paralyzed yeah to throw the ball downfield there was multiple times where I saw receivers open 10 plus yards down the field and Geno Smith would look at them and decide to not make the throw. And you know what? Even Brady's going to tell you. You know what Tyler Lockett said after the game on Sunday? When you guys asked him, he said, I think that Geno Smith did a really good job of deciding, of making the decision when to take a chip. Did he not say this? I think he said it to you, to everybody who was around him. I think I, I, he might have. I didn't catch it. Yes, but I was yes. Tweeting when he, he said, was oh, talking. I think Geno yeah. had a great day because he was great, Brian, at deciding when to take a chance and when not to take a chance. And again, all of this stuff is just a lot. 
Just play. I, just play. I don't think that is the way that you can be a winning NFL quarterback for long. I also think Geno Smith has been making really poor decisions for a number of weeks because he had too much confidence in his ability to put a ball someplace where he shouldn't. So I I do think there needed to be some correction, but I 100% agree with your general point, which is if you're going to be in NFL and and win games that matter, you're going to have to put that ball in tight spaces that very few players can. So he has to build the confidence back up, but I don't think you can do that. If you're throwing an interception or two every single week of the season, Brady, does Shane Waldron get people off his back this week? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I mean, the pass protection was better. I don't know how much of that was sort of the scheme and and some of the you know blocking uh, some of the protections that they called, or whether it was just the players playing better. I mean, they won, and and you know those last couple drives looked really efficient, and so uh, I think he does. Now, I would be curious to know the whole thinking behind. Uh, I keep bringing it up, and this is a perfect opportunity to go back to it. But that end of the half, where it was just a, a ridiculous sequence there, where you know they had the ball with uh, I think they were at I think they got as far as Washington's 33 with one timeout left and something like 30 seconds on the clock or something. So automatically, you think the bare minimum there should be a field goal, and they come away with no nothing, points there. Now nothing. Yeah, they got they got a holding my, penalty my, that Myers pushed them back. Myers would have missed the field goal there, but go ahead, continue. Yeah. <laughs> well, on a day where he went five for five, I think I'm going to give him that sixth field goal. But okay. No, I, and now there, there's two issues that I had with what happened there. One is that Geno Smith can't do what he did there. So the, the, the two things you can't do in that situation, when you get the ball, when their final play, they had 15 seconds left, no timeouts because they had just burned their last one. You obviously can't take a sack there and you can't take a grounding penalty because uh, a penalty inside 10 seconds is going to run the playoff. So, And that's what happened. So uh, I'm curious also about the play call itself because typically in situations like that, when a team doesn't have a timeout and you can't stop the clock on the field, mm-hmm. the only thing you see them do there is run a quick out route, right? Try to get five or six cheap yards. The route takes the receiver out of bounds. You stop the clock and you you just give your field goal. You give your kicker a little bit shorter of a field goal. It looked like they were trying to throw over the middle there, which when there's only 15 seconds left on the clock, you throw over the middle, you may not get up to the ball in time uh, and clock it with any time left. So I think between the play call was curious and just the decision making was uh, inexplicable on Geno's part. I mean, remember, they had just called a timeout there. So the last thing you would imagine that he's hearing from either the coach and or the coordinator is, hey, you can't take a sack here. You obviously can't take a penalty as well. Hawk blogger um, Brian Nemhauser, the best thing that we've said about DK Metcalf all year Mm. was that he made a good block against Cleveland to uh, set up the the winning touchdown, to allow the winning touchdown to be scored. That's literally all the positives that have come out of our mouth about DK Metcalf, and here we are nine weeks into the season. Well, on Sunday, does DK Metcalf get all of us off his back for seven days? No way. Absolutely not. No. No. I, I, I think DK Metcalf and Geno Smith had very similar games where in the first half of this game, I thought DK Metcalf... I thought Jake Bobo needed to give him a lesson on how to catch a football. Uh, DK Metcalf has yet to make a contested catch. Uh, A guy that's 230 pounds cannot get a cornerback off of his body. So, yeah, I didn't think he played very well at all. Really? At the start of this game. Wow. And I thought he he redeemed himself at the end by making some plays when it mattered. So. 
for me, no. I think DK Metcalf has a long way still to go, but this was a step forward. I do want to come back quickly just to what you said about Shane Waldron and say this was the most yards, 489 yards, the most yards the Seahawks have had in a game since when? Last year, 2022, against the Detroit Lions when they had 555 yards. And the reason I think that matters is because it was that stretch of time when Geno Smith and the Seahawks offense looked really promising. And then we've been basically saying, where is that? This is the first game since then that they've put up that many yards. And man, it's it's just odd because it didn't feel that way for a lot of the game. So let me press you on that, Brian Nemhauser, in terms of being encouraging for the future, in terms of Seahawks fans feeling like maybe, maybe we're starting to turn the corner offensively. My contention would be, Brian, that the last drive of the game is under unique sets of circumstances. It's the hurry up. It's chaos. They came through, but it's hard to take that last drive and say, oh, I feel good about everything moving forward because of the last drive. But the second to last drive, the second to last drive is where I hang my hat. That may have been the best five or six minutes of the season for this. When you think about it, think about it. It's a tie game. You can't even believe that we're tied with this team. It's a tie game with five minutes to go. You get the ball. If you go three and out or you go a first down and out and you give the ball back, you're going to lose the game. And they come through with a 10 play. I think it was 75 yards, not including the five yard, everybody but the center. (laughs) everybody but the center false start they come through with a 10 play it was not hurry up 10 play 75 yards they ran it a little bit they threw a little bit Gino was good Waldron was good the receivers were good Lockett got open My, my contention is if you looking for something to get yourself excited as a Seahawks fan that maybe the offense is coming around it's that drive right there the second to last drive of the game where he hits Lockett for the seven to put him up seven, and we know what happens from there. I think you're absolutely right, and and I'll give you one more thing that I think Seahawks fans could be excited about. Uh, This is courtesy of Next Gen Stats uh, for the NFL. The Seahawks gained 258 yards after the catch in this game against the Commanders. That's the second most yards after catch in a game by any offense this season. And the reason that matters is what we were talking about before. We have been banging the table for Shane Waldron to find a way to get some easier yards for Geno Smith, not having to make hero throws. If they can take, we've been seeing a few more of these screenplays actually work. And so I think that that's, that's something. That's something to be hopeful about. Brady, the defensive performance was weird. I'll tell you why it was weird to me. It felt better than it was. Um, Those last two drives were worrisome that Washington's able and Sam Howell to go down the field in two straight drives and punch the ball into the end zone. There's no question about it. I didn't see either one of those coming, but it just felt like that maybe this defense was like a skosh away from making big plays all day. Take the two, the two touchdown throws to running backs. The first one at the beginning of the game, Jamal Adams has a point blank. He can knock the guy into tomorrow, as Mickey from Rocky would say. He can knock the guy into tomorrow, maybe even create a turnover on that play, and yet he gets away. He doesn't even make a move. 
and he gets away and throws a touchdown pass. How about the touchdown pass late in the game to the running back on the right sideline? Boye Mafe is he's yep. right there. I mean, he is, as I say, a skosh from knocking him down, causing a fumble, knocking the ball down, and yet the ball gets out into the receiver's hands, the running back's hands, and he scores a touchdown. Yeah, they gave up 300-plus yards to Sam Howell. Yeah, they gave up the two late touchdowns. Yeah, they gave about, up, I think, 350 yards, 360 in total offense. I don't know why, and maybe it's just the way I'm tilting my head and I'm trying to give the Seahawks defense a lot of credit because I feel like they're on the come. But it didn't feel so bad defensively on Sunday. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, the first two touchdowns, the sort of scramble throws to running backs, yeah, that's kind of backyard football where – Sometimes plays like that just happen. Now, there there had to be a coverage breakdown there, and I don't know who was responsible on the first one. Not not talking about Jamal Adams missing a sack, but right, you know somebody right, right, right. had to err there in coverage. But you know those are sort of scramble plays where they just happen sometimes. And yeah, you could do better on those plays. But um, I mean the Mafe one, I was I couldn't believe that Howell even got that throw off and that the throw didn't seem to be affected. Now he, right. he didn't couldn't get everything on it because he right. was throwing off his back foot, but right. the ball didn't like flutter. It was still, you know, a, an actual pass. And so, um, yeah, I agree. They, they were just sort of a, a, a hair off. Close. I mean, those are two touchdowns where you're just a, and, a hair from having sacks. And Brian deflections. There were two or three during the course of the game deflected balls that could have been picked off. There were a couple of balls that it looked like the Seahawks defense were going to come out with, and they didn't. I, I don't know. Am I bending over backwards to give that defense too much credit? No, I don't think so. I, I actually would start, though, the other way in that Sam Howell's a, a better player than I think a lot of people give him credit yep. for. He made some fantastic throws. And the one that Brady was talking about where uh, Boye Mafe was on his arm and somehow is able to get yeah. that. Th th those were really really impressive play so I, I i do start there but look um this is a guy that's been sacked 44 times coming into this game the seahawks got to him three times but it but didn't feel like the pressure was great no i thought uh, the, i mean it felt to me like they were close to five or six or seven sacks Brady, they also had think? to blitz quite a few times. They okay. blitzed a lot, and and they I think that that it didn't work out very often, and and they stuck with it and kept giving some easy plays up there. But you know the run defense was fantastic until it wasn't <laughs> like yeah, second the, to last drive. It just happened. went to pot. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't exactly know, but look late in the third quarter, maybe even in the fourth quarter. The Commanders had 214 yards. That's it. The Seahawks, even with those two crazy plays, yes. it was 214 yards. And then those last two drives just made it look a lot worse. So, yeah, yeah I think you're right. And I think we got to still be pretty excited about what Devin Witherspoon's doing. Um, this guy with three more pass breakups, another forced fumble, almost a pick. You know, I, the guy's a playmaker. And so that's something that I think is uh, that plus Boye Mafe plus Leonard okay. Williams getting his first sack are all things to be uh, optimistic about there. Let's finish up with Taco Times, who was doing some work. I'll take the uh, the leftovers this week. I always seem to go last few weeks I've been going first or close to first. Brady will give you the first shot. You get the pick of the litter. Seahawks win by three. They get to six and three. Uh, Mr. Playoffs told me last week, find a way to beat Washington and find a way to beat the Rams. Be seven and three somehow, some way going into the gauntlet 
of two 49ers, a Philadelphia and a Dallas game. And if you're 7-3, and three, you'll literally only have one loss in the NFC and you'll be in great tie-breaking situation. They have done half of that. We'll see whether they can do it against the Rams on Sunday. Who's your taco time doing some work player? Well, I'm gonna do I'm gonna go with this player because I know for damn sure that neither of you guys are gonna go with them. And we gotta make sure. I know we mentioned him earlier, but look, we gotta make sure that Jason Myers gets his proper due in this game. Five field goals, including the game winner, four of those five uh, were over 40 yards. So he hit from 45, 43, 33, uh, 45, and then the game winner from 43. So, okay. and I thought it was a cool moment where Myers kind of gave a shout out to Chris Stoll, not to be, not Carson Stoll, as you might want to call him because their long snapper last year was Carson Tinker. I still have to remind myself that his name is Chris Stoll. He's the undrafted rookie uh, from Penn State. And Myers gave him a shout out for uh, coming through with a, a perfect snap in what was really his first kind of pressure situation like this, his first opportunity for to snap the ball on a game winner. And he came through and so did Myers. So uh, Jason Myers was doing some work. Doing some taco time work. Can we get Jason Myers to kick the ball out of the end zone on kickoffs a little bit more often? <laughs> uh, I guess maybe I shouldn't bring that up today on this show, but uh, I, I was getting a little tired in the first half of seeing Washington start at the 35 because he'd kick it down to the three and the guy would bring it out. Antonio Gibson, whoever it was, to the 32 or 35. But I, I digress. Marine layer. Marine no, layer. I see. I see how it works. Um, I'm assuming he didn't take your guy, Brian. He certainly did not, <laughs> Mitch. Uh, so I'm pretty fired up about this guy. Uh, he has been doing some work all season and for whatever reason, cannot get the ball more than four or five times a game. Uh, and this is the guy, uh, a rookie, second year in a row, running back in the second round, Zach Charbonnet. Yeah. My goodness, this guy, six carries, 44 yards, averages over seven yards a carry. Every time he touches the ball, something good happens. And yet you can't get Except him. Except when six. he doesn't get out of bounds, but go ahead. <laughs> but at least he still trucks the guy. You know, <laughs> it's sure just, did. I just... I want this guy to get more touches, and I don't know what else he has to do to get them. But, man, he was doing some some work against the Commanders. There you go. Which leaves me with my three guys. Well, my three groups. I still have the pick of the litter. I was not going to take either one of your guys. I was going to look at the, uh, the offensive line as a whole coming out of Baltimore. Much maligned. Terrible day in Baltimore. And then what did somebody tweet? From the ESPN stat department, 21% pressure of Smith's dropbacks, which was number one, their best total in uh, the regular season this year, right? 21%. Even, no, I think going back to last year since Smith Going back to last starter. year, okay. Yeah. And they opened up holes for 4.6 yards of carry from the running backs. So they did it in the pass game, and they did it in the run game. How do we not signal that they were doing some work, the offensive line of the Seahawks? I like DK Metcalf's day a little bit more than Brian did. I think uh, he came through certainly at the end. That was such a big play. Jason Myers ought to send him a big Christmas basket for getting an extra, what did he get, an extra 8 or 12 on that play? Because let me tell you, no one will ever know, Myers was not making that field goal from 53 or 54. He made that. DK Metcalf made that a 40, what would you say, 42? 43. 43-yard field goal. It was 43 instead of 53 because of DK Metcalf at the end getting some extra yards. So I'm thinking about him. I thought Tyler Lockett. 
I thought after the helmet-to-helmet uh, collision that he was done for the day. He'd be in concussion protocol. We wouldn't see him again. Comes back for eight catches, 92 yards, including the go-ahead touchdown uh, late in the game. So I would say those people were doing some work, some taco time work in the Seahawks' victory over the Commanders. Can we get a uh, KP update, please, Mitch? No. Um, <laughs> we do that on Thursdays. On Thursdays for oh, Friday. Boys, you guys are feeling a little nervous after that no, first we touchdown. No, yeah, we you no, were a little we nervous. No, we weren't. Never we were a never, never a doubt. Very, very cool and collected. Brian, I'll give you the last word. Six and three. A lot of close calls in that six and three. I don't know that you feel like this is a six and three team, but what I used to say on KJR and I say on the podcast all, all the time, it really doesn't matter how you look in the eighth and ninth games of the season, both ways, even if you're unbelievable. It just matters whether you win or lose. What, what all At the end of the day, all that matters is how are you playing on January 10th and 12th and 14th? That's it. How, what you looked like against the Washington Commanders back on November 12th means diddly-poo come Bub-kiss. playoff time. Bubkiss. Come playoff time. So how you are a fan. Brady is not a fan. <laughs> how is the fan, Brian Nemhauser, who began his day in New York, feeling at six and three? <laughs> well, Brian Nemhauser, the fan, is tired. <laughs> but uh, I will also say there's no way to look at this game and not think it was a step forward for okay. the Seahawks. Okay. From a Geno Smith perspective, from an offensive line perspective, from a play calling and variety perspective even from a defense perspective, where they were last week after getting blown out um, on every side, every angle of the ball. The thing that you have to look forward to is this was the first time all season that they have had four out of five starters on the offensive line play in two weeks in a row. That's just four out of five. They have not had a single game all year with all five starters on the offensive line, play a full game. Brady, are we going to have all five? Are we going to have all five? Back are we going to have all five yes. next week? Yes, all five against the Rams. He'll be back at practice. I don't know if he's going to be ready to play oh, on three practice gun. days, we but we'll see. Maybe. All right. That's it. He will be practicing. So that is something to look forward to because he is a significant step forward from what they've been putting at right tackle. And let me tell you what else is something to look forward to. The next time we're together for the Friday morning patron show where maybe Nemhauser will do it again and pick the Rams to beat his beloved Seahawks. Maybe he'll do it the remainder of the season. Brian Nemhauser, watch him, follow him, Hawk Blogger on X, formerly known as Twitter. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Mitch. And from Lumen Field, ladies and gentlemen, with the people in the background cleaning up, making they're, they're real. They're really doing some work. They are here. doing some work. We can hear every second of it. <laughs> I tried Brady. to cover the microphone. Brady Henderson from Lumen Field. Thank you, Brady. All right. Thanks, Mitch. Hey, it's time for a visit with Zeke's president, Dan Black. And Dan, there's an obvious first question here. Does your son Hank fully comprehend that he could have been at a national championship contender and Heisman frontrunner had he stayed at home instead of being a trader and going off to Austin, Texas. Does he understand this? <laughs> You're hitting on one of my favorite subjects right now, Mitch. <laughs> this is a this is good family uh, trash talk going on right now. Yeah, he does realize it now. He loves being a Longhorn. As you know, Austin's pretty fun. You were just down there. But 
and and he's a proud Longhorn, but he he's he's a true blue Husky too. And so you know he was twisted up last year when we beat him in the Alamo Bowl, and now of course he's loving what the Huskies are doing, and sure. Longhorns are having a great season too. But yeah, let's put it this way: the the Huskies in the family trash talk the uh, Longhorn. <laughs> Speaking of football season, last time you were on, you told us about a football promotion that you're doing at all the Zeeks. First of all, how's it going? And second of all, how about reviewing how we can participate? Yeah, no, it's going great. Pigskin 10 is super popular. People are using it. Um, and just to refresh what the deal is, is if you use the code pigskin10, you get $10 off your order. Pretty simple. The order needs to be $40 or more before the discount. So $30 after the discount. Right. Uh, but the cool thing is you can use it as many times as you want during the season. There's a limit once per day, but you can use it as much as you want. And so use it whenever you're watching a game, watching the Hawks, the Huskies, whoever. We're getting a lot of orders with it. So it's popular. So it's Thursdays. Saturday, Sundays, Mondays. Is that right? Yep. What we call it football days. So Thursday night football, of course, college games on Saturday, NFL on Sunday uh, and Monday night football. So, yeah, Beautiful. football days. Good, and, good reminder. And the code is pigskin10 for $10 off of all orders. And it's the fall and football season. So do me a favor before you go. Highlight one of Zeke's specialty beers that stands tall this time of year on that incredible menu of selections. Yeah, no, it's it's fresh hop season right now in the fall that coordinates well with football season. And fresh hop means that they take the hops right off the vine, put it right into the kettle. And so you get really a nice fresh hop feel. Mm -hmm. So we got two of them, single hill, lateral A, fresh hop, and uh, varietals, everything is blossom fresh hop. So those, those those are the recommended beers right now. That's awesome. Zeke's Pizza from Seattle all the way to Boise, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. His son's got the football. He didn't care. Barreling through Rebels. Touchdown, Georgia. A flex. Time Northwest presents CBS College Football Analyst Rick Neuheisel, who is doing some work this weekend in and around the Missouri-Tennessee game. Remember, pay a visit to TacoTimeNW.com and consider joining their terrific team with instant online interviews, signing bonuses in certain cases, and great perks for you and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. Richard Gerald Neuheisel Jr., who one week ago warned us that Vegas was going to dare us on Iowa Rutgers, <laughs> listing the over-under on 27 and a half, and he said, take it, take the dare, go under. It was 3 nothing at half, 6 nothing at the end of the third, and 22 nothing at the end of the game, Neuheisel. I can only tell you where the water is. I can't make you drink. <laughs> I can't make you drink. Listen, Big Ten West this year, which is thankfully the last year of the Big Ten West, uh -huh. is so bad offensively. It's We call it the eye bleed. You remember the black and blue division in the old NFL? Sure. This is the eye bleed division. Oh, God. You just can't make it up. Give Brian Ferentz a uh, lot of credit. They found ways to score touchdowns. They did. But, uh, they did. It just uh, is 
not been an offensive uh, cornucopia. So New Heisel is now over 500 for the first time in a month. We'll get there at the end of the show. Headlines. Here are some headlines. You can pick one to start with, Rick. As we record this, Texas A&M is paying Jimbo Fisher $76 million to go away. And I asked you when we got on this Zoom, why can't I find somebody to pay me <laughs> me $76 million to go away? Michigan minus Captain Khaki Pants, a business-like win at Happy Valley on a collision course with the Buckeyes. U-Dub survives both Utah and and a defender dropping the ball before he crossed the goal line. We got Oregon taking care of USC. We've got Alabama and Georgia doing their business, and they seem to be on a collision course for the SEC championship. FSU denies Miami late. Any of these strike your fancy, Rick Newhart? All of them, all yeah. of them strike my fancy. Let's start with the Michigan saga. Drama and then some, yeah. both on and off the field. Uh they get on the tarmac. I, I had to think of Lane Kiffin when I saw the, the machinations going on the tarmac as they arrived in Happy Valley. And Jim was told that uh, the commissioner of the Big Ten had uh, issued this punishment. He was not going to be allowed to play. They were in the maneuverings of finding a judge, even though it was a legal holiday given Veterans Day. There was going to see if there could be a temporary restraining order granted. My sneaking suspicion here, Mitch, is that they could have gotten that done. Certainly, they would have found a sympathetic judge in the state of Michigan. They decided to take it. I think they decided to take really? the penalty. Really? I, that's, they will never admit this. But my guess is they just said, you know what? We're wrong here. Let's take this penalty. Let's galvanize our group and surround you know, our fallen comrade. I mean, Sharon Moore, after the game, was crying like the guy had passed away. <laughs> I mean, he's on the bus eating nice, you know, room service bills going to be through the roof right now for Jim Harbaugh. You just don't get cold bottles of milk and delivered to your room anymore. So I think they said, we're going to take this. We'll fight it next week. We'll see if we can get this thing put away for the next two games. It was a fantastic effort by Michigan on the field. And by the way, incredible that they could beat a top 10 team like Penn State without throwing one registered pass in the second half. Now, they did throw one, but it was a pass interference call, so it didn't go into the books. 30 straight runs. That's incredible. That's bludgeoning your opponent. Remember, this is a team they ran for over 400 a year ago. Mm -hmm. This is absolutely owning somebody call me your daddy that was what michigan did to penn state were you trying to say that maybe they were trading the penn state game for the ohio state game if they fight this thing is there a chance that they get the temporary restraining order and he's able to coach against penn state but then ultimately he misses the more important or the more difficult game against Ohio State, or is that not the case? No, I, I think the commissioner's ruled it's a three-game suspension. Right. I think there will be, the, you know, it's a four-prong test, and one of the most important prong of the test is, is there irreparable harm? By winning the game yesterday, it's more difficult to prove irreparable harm going forward, but I do believe that Michigan, in finding this temporary straining order hearing, which will be this coming Friday, I think in doing so and having given themselves some measure of penalty, they appease okay. everybody that's uh, out there fighting the good fight on either side of this thing. And I think somehow, some way it will prove beneficial as they get 
try to get Jim Harbaugh back on the sideline for the final two games. Jimbo now owns a record. He's been paid more money to go away than any college football coach, I think, in the history of college. It has to be. I think it's something like double the next highest guy. Is this this a surprise? What happened on Sunday, is this a surprise to you, Rick? I think it's an acknowledgement that there's major concern in the SEC that this is going to be Nick Saban's last year. And if Nick Saban goes away, the Alabama job will be a cherry job. And so by doing this now, you can get ahead of Alabama for the Dan Lannings of the world, oh. for the Lane Kiffins of the world. Oh, That to me is my, that, what, what's the other reason? I mean, why wouldn't you wait till the end? You also, in so doing, allow for the machinations to get moving so that you can find whoever you believe is the next uh the next savior of Texas A&M football. It's a remarkable that it's a program so well healed, Mitch, but has only had two 10-win seasons since 1998. Two double-digit win seasons. Wow. That's an incredible year when you juxtapose since Nick Saban's, after his 2007 beginning season, he's won 10 every year, 10 or more every year in Tuscaloosa. They're looking for the Saban fix, the Kirby Smart fix, mm-hmm. and they want to get ahead of the race. Mm. You mentioned Dan Lanning. You think he's destined to leave Oregon and go back to the SEC? I don't know that he's destined because Phil Knight can write a big check and how much he loves Eugene and so forth. And remember, Oregon's on their way to the Big Ten, so they're already part of the Super Two. And the fact that Oregon isn't going to be getting a full check like Washington's not going to be getting a full check doesn't matter because the program's so well financed anyway. It all depends on Dan Lanning's love of Eugene. If he really loves Eugene and thinks they can win from there, then he won't. If he believes that the resources and the the talent pool is richer elsewhere, then he'll be swayed. What did Michael Penix and UW do on Saturday to their reputation? Maybe you'll just tell me, look, they're good. Not that it matters, but they're going to be fifth until somebody loses in front of them. There's nothing they can do. Beat Utah, beat Oregon State, beat Washington State. These other teams will remain ahead of them as long as the other teams win. I think they did enough to go past Florida State. I think Florida State's uh, tussle with Miami, while important for Florida State to keep pace, I think the Pac-12 has a distinct advantage over the ACC in terms of its measuring stick of toughness of caliber of competition. Right. And the Utah and Kyle Whittingham's ability to have a tough team every time he goes anywhere will resonate with the committee. And I think they'll slide past Florida state in this uh, next go round of rankings. I keep telling everybody and you and I have talked about this because it was one of the scenarios in our little game last week. I keep telling everybody in Seattle that'll listen to me. What we don't want is Georgia and Alabama to win out, play in the sec championship game and have Alabama win that game close and exciting. We don't want, we don't need that. Nobody in a, nobody in America needs that except for the sec, Rick. That's 100% correct. That's 100% correct. Uh, Alabama is gaining on everybody. The, The good news for everybody who's, you know, anti double sec is that Texas somehow keeps just finding ways to win. And as long as they stay ahead, it's kind of like a blockade right now for Alabama. I do not believe the committee will slide Alabama ahead of Texas. Really? I don't. I, I And as much as I think Alabama is better than Texas right now and certainly would beat Texas if they played again, I think the committee is locked in on, hey, it had happened on the field of play, and I'm for it. 
I like, you know, the games have to matter. But Alabama's got to make it if they went out and beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. So what you're really saying is everybody, if, everybody else is in really double trouble because Texas, if you're going to take Alabama, you got to take Texas too with you in the final four. First of all, I think Texas is in real precarious situation this week as they go to Ames, Iowa. Oh, okay. That game to okay. me is going to be interesting. Okay. And if you're an Iowa State fan, pray for bad weather. Pray for some sort of snow flurries and see if that Texas team can play hard and that kind of stuff. The SEC champion, if it were to be Alabama and you had an undefeated Florida State, an undefeated Washington, an undefeated winner in the Big Ten, you could find yourself with an SEC team that's sitting outside looking could in at Texas. I don't know. Texas, Texas wins the wins out and is the Big Ten champ. And Alabama that's is like the a, measuring That's stick. like asking me to close my eyes and visualize an ugly Raquel Welch. It, it, it's it's, a, it's a, an SEC champion that doesn't go to the to the Final Four at college football. Let it's a, me tell it's you impossible. a story about Auburn and Tommy Tuberville. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know that story. All right. It looks like. We're getting a five plus seven model, Rick, for the 12 team college football playoff next year. That means five highest ranked conference champs plus the next seven highest ranked teams. Is that essentially what we expected? Is there any surprise? In that. No, I think the, with the dismantling of the Pac-12, as we know it, I know there's, you know, some machinations trying to hang on to a Pac-2 and create a Pac-12, maybe with the addition of the Mountain West. But but with that dismantling, I think that's the, the way to appease everybody other than Oregon State and Washington State. It's obviously uh, going to feature. And as I told, the five champions will have to be the four buys. No at-large team will earn a buy. Oh, is that so right? I, I didn't know I, that. That's, how, that's what I'm told. Okay. And uh, I'm not positive that that's accurate, but that, that seems fair to me. Is a three-loss team, I think I've asked you this before, are three-loss teams in the college football playoff, which will happen, by the way, three-loss teams will make it. There'll be three-loss teams in the college football playoff. Is that a good thing for college football, or does that – does that dilute the greatness of the of the 12 game 13 game sprint that we love so much in the regular season of college football? I I don't see it as a dilution. Now you're you're talking for the perspective of a guy who went played in the Rose Bowl was the MVP of a Rose Bowl of a 6-4 and 1 UCLA team, right? We that's what we ended up. We were 6-4 and 1 and we ended up playing in a an Illinois team that was actually disappointed that they were playing us because they couldn't vault themselves up to the national championship. I'm from a world that I like comeback stories. I like teams that have a chance to have a tough start and come back and play for big prizes. We don't have any problem when a wild card wins our Super Bowl in the NFL. We we find that okay. In the world of college football, I like that we're all watching conference races down the stretch. It's fascinating what's going on in the Big 12 with all the two lost teams trying to get a chance to play Texas and Texas having to play Iowa State and maybe becoming a two lost team. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden chaos ensues. Mm -hmm. I like all that. And okay. so uh, I don't find this disturbing for the future of college football in any way, shape or form. Do you feel bad that Shadur Sanders' Rolls Royce was booted for illegal parking in Boulder, Colorado. Rick, are you, <laughs> are you okay? Are you gonna are you gonna walk around with the cup and collect some money to get that boot off of his uh, 
front right tire of that Rolls well, Royce. I don't, I, don't, we, I don't remember when I was going to Syracuse. I don't remember guys driving around in Rolls Royces. You know what? <laughs> as they say, uh, he's got the bag, right? As the fellas say, he's got the bag. Listen, I have no problem with parking tickets. I remember the the world of parking tickets as a as a college student telling my dad my car was stolen. He said, how many tickets did you have? I said, oh, just a few. But I'm an out-of-state student, Dad. I don't have to pay them. He said, your car got towed, son. Your car got towed. That's where it is. See if you can go work, find a little job, and pay some of that off. So uh, I understand exactly what happened to Shadur. And, you know, if he's got the roles, then he's got the roles. Congratulations. Uh... All right, big one. Big one this week. Washington survives Utah. That's a good win no matter how close it was. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And the fact that Dylan Johnson was factored into this game, 100 more yard rushing yards, that's huge yeah. for this offense going forward. 35 minutes of possession time, Mitch. They start figuring out how to play a little keep away. That helps their defense. And that's against, I think, the number one time of possession team in all of college football they did that against in, in Utah. And now... They turn around this week in the game that we've all feared for a very long time. And you and I laughed last week. It's no laughing matter in Corvallis. They're going to have something to say. They go to Autzen later. They host Washington here. They've been listening to everybody say, oh, it's just Oregon-Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. The rematch is just a foregone conclusion. They've been listening to that stuff in, yeah. in Corvallis, and they, and they have been quietly sitting there saying, oh, we're going to have something to say about that. And they come in having hung 60 on Stanford. So this is a very, very interesting time for Oregon State. Uh, Reeser Stadium will be jumping. I think it's on ABC. It's an it's a under-the-lights extravaganza. This is going to be really fun to watch. Washington going to win? Washington's going to win by are the hair are, of their chinny-chin-chin. Chin. Are you saying that because you know where I'm sitting right now? Probably. Probably. <laughs> I think it's going to be more difficult than uh, thought, but I think Washington, I, I, they just have the wherewithal to find ways to to carve out victory with their offense. They just are good enough to do that. Okay, I have to know this. You told me before we started that you're going to do speaking engagements where? I'm on my way to Knoxville, Tennessee, where there's a very disenfranchised uh, yeah. fan base. Oh, my God. Given the that. way the uh, – But terrible. you know what? Payback's a son of a gun, Mitch. Last year, I did that game, and they threw the ball with one minute left ahead 59-24 to 24. Threw a deep ball. I yeah. said, they're going to take a knee here on the one. There's no way they're going to pound it in. And they they ran it in to make it 66. Two years in a row hanging 60 on this Missouri team. I said, you know what? People have long memories in this world. And then I drive to Birmingham yeah. and I get a you know a joyous Alabama group. So my, Red question, is, Club. So my yes. question is, if somebody in Knoxville, Tennessee, even knows where the University of Washington or Oregon State is, somebody in the back of the room says, hey, Rick, <laughs> can can I ask you a quick question? Who's I'm taking gonna... Washington. You think I'm going <laughs> to, I'm only saying it because you're, I see your beautiful pennant. I'm taking the dogs. Okay. The dogs are going to get it done. You think so? Michael Penix is better than DJ Uyunglele. That will be the difference. But it's there, and it's going to be emotional. I understand, but you know what? It's the Northwest. The Northwest, it, we went down there, got trounced one time by Denny Erickson, who I saw uh, last night uh, at one of the games. and then. Uh, but we also went in there and took, took him to task. Okay. Okay. 
Taco Time Northwest loves to applaud those doing some work. In fact, always looking for new team members that really enjoy working. TacotimeNW.com. Are you kicking or are you receiving this week, New Heisel? I'm deferring. I'm deferring. You go ahead and take what you want. I got plenty of ammunition. (laughs) Okay. Virginia football has been through a lot the last few years. Lots of heartache that no young football team should ever have to endure, especially what happened a year ago. So I'm paying homage on my Taco Time Northwest doing some work to running back Parrish Jones, who has been in a hospital after a spinal injury in the third quarter on Thursday night against Louisville. Surgery at the University of Louisville Medical Center was successful. He was up walking on Saturday Movement in all extremities, and I should point out the Parrish Jones, his roommate at Virginia is Mike Hollins, who survived that shooting last year that took the lives of three teammates. So my taco time, Northwest doing some work, is just a thought or two for running back Parrish Jones in the Virginia football program, Rick. Well said, and uh, echo that heartily. It uh, has been an unbelievable year for that uh, program. Uh, We send our thoughts and our prayers to his quick recovery. Uh, That's great news. Uh, All of us who remember Curtis Williams remember how fragile, fragile it is. And uh, so uh, happy that we're getting that kind of news from uh, uh, the Louisville Hospital. Uh, Would you like to put uh, the A&M Bankers? Uh, as those doing some work? <laughs> yes. Would you like Michigan's lawyers as those doing some work? Could we go with Jaden Daniels in an unbelievable performance on Saturday night? Jaden Daniels was spectacular. 600 plus yards, 350 plus in the air, 234, Amazing. I believe, Amazing. on the ground. Remember, Marcus Tuiasosopo in a game against Stanford was the first ever to run for 200 and throw for 300 in the same game. It's been done twice more since that time uh, back in uh, the 2000 season, uh, once by the Louisville quarterback Malik Cunningham, Malik Cunningham. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it was done by Malik Cunningham and now by Jaden Daniels. Uh, but the go. other guy doing some work and the guy that I'm going to focus on, I mentioned earlier, Cody Schrader from Truman State, a division two running back. He transferred to Missouri as a walk on sight unseen. Some booster told uh, Eli Drinkwitz about him. Eli said, if you like him, I like him. He can come. He went off. He's the leading rusher in the SEC Absolutely was brilliant all day long. 205 on the ground, well over 100 in receiving. Cody Schrader from Truman State doing some work. Which brings us to Rick's picks. Now, be careful here because it's been a long time. just ta- like your father. <laughs> we, we, it's been a long time since you saw daylight, New Heisel. You have been in the basement for the last four or five weeks, and you have climbed your way out of the basement. You are now over 500. What a perfect time to say, Mitchie, with all due respect to your fine listeners of Mitch Unfiltered, this is where I say I've had enough this year. You could just quit right now, or as they used to say on a game show back 100 years ago, you can press your luck. 
Which way would you go, Duheisel? I think it was card sharks. So they said, I'd like to go higher, Bob. <laughs> I'd like to go higher. Uh, you challenged me. You said if there was somebody in the back of the room in Knoxville, Tennessee, far away from the microphones and the cameras of Seattle, Washington, would I say and back up what I said on the Mitch Unfiltered program? And the answer is you damn right. I am taking the dogs. Oh. They're only a one point favorite. As only a one point favorite. As we going speak, I, I can't tell you what's going to happen to that spread throughout the course of the week, and you don't know either. So it we may go. incite it says it one. may incite riots in Corvallis, <laughs> clamor in the stands of Reeser. But I don't care. I'm taking Penix and the okay. boys. Give me the dogs. Okay, and we'll all watch that game at uh, four thirty. I believe 4.30 Pacific time on ABC, Oregon State and Washington. Washington's got two more miles. Oregon State's the first mile, and Washington State is the second mile before the Pac-12 championship game. He's Rick Neuheisel. Catch him each and every week on CBS as they present the Big Ten and the SEC. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for being with us again. You got it, Mitchie. Take care, bud. It's J-Flow time, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Mitch Unfiltered. Jordan Flowers, the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage. How are you, J-Flow? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Price is right. Here we go. Oh, I'm great. You're doing all right. Tough times, big numbers, challenging rates. What can you tell us about buying and selling homes these days? You know, rates are high. It is a challenging market, but it is a good market for the buyers we're working with. They are not having to compete still. The rates are elevated, but they are getting homes at prices where they're not having to elevate. So it's a good time for buyers. And real estate is always a great investment during inflationary times to hedge against inflation. So yeah. it's still a good time. And you were telling me before we started about Fannie Mae. Tell our listeners. Yeah. So they just came out about a week ago and uh, made it possible to buy three and four plex properties with 5% down. It used to be 25%. Now, if you're looking to buy a primary residence, as a three or a fourplex, you can put a minimum 5% down. And then the beauty is you can use the other two to three units that you're buying to use the rental income from those and use it as the income to qualify for purchasing that asset. So fourplexes, you can borrow up to one and a half million dollars now in this market. So 5% down on that and use the income from it to purchase it. So great opportunity. And for all of us who need some help, whether you're buying or selling or refinancing, we're going to call the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage because your team is the best. How do we reach you on your phone? You are calling me or texting me at 425-890-2957. And that's the direct line for Jordan Flowers, the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage. Great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Where would we be without them? Unfiltered. Back into a desperate bunch as well. Gorge straight. Wants to reverse direction. Game it up. Shot. Shot. Far shot of the crease, the puck goes right to him for a second of the game. Now CeCe looks, shoots, it was tipped just wide. The puck bouncing here, and Dylan Holloway scores his first of the season. And the Oilers are up four to nothing. Episode 262 continues, Mitch Unfiltered, another installment of a popular segment we like to call the Seattle Kraken. No table, RJ Eskino, Several City Hockey, Darren Brown, the sound of hockey. Guys, RJ... 
When we last spoke, I think the Kraken won four and one after a Saturday night loss to the Rangers with a lot of blowouts in there. But since they've played close games, they've won some games, they beat the Avalanche on the road before the head scratcher on Saturday night against a two and nine Edmonton team. Pick it up right from there. Where are the Kraken in your estimation as we approach Thanksgiving? Uh, The Kraken are in a position, I think, with just as many questions as we were when we last talked, right? Uh, They're still about 500 since we last talked, and I think they're struggling for consistency right now, and you could see that in the Edmonton game last night. The Oilers, yes, we're we're used to the Oilers beating the Kraken, but this was in kind of a different way. McDavid and Dreisaitl, two of the best players in the world, were held without a point, and normally you take that as a victory, but you had a guy like Zach Hyman who's beating you, and he's just a hardworking type of player and, and if that guy is the one who's uh, beating your team you know that you're probably not working hard enough and this comes right after the Colorado game where it's probably the Kraken's best 60 minute effort of the season so they're still trying to search for that consistency uh, where they can turn things around and, and kind of uh, string some wins together this season Darren you're kind of a don't worry be happy guy I saw the video of you going up the escalator on Saturday night talking to me about the the loss of the Oilers. And you just exude, oh, it's early. It's just one game. Let's not get excited about all of this. Well, I like to think it as being level-headed as opposed to being... Be happy, go lucky. What did you say there? Don't worry, be happy. Yeah, Yeah, there's the lyrics. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I... I, I I think we just as as fans of a hockey team tend to have this like uh, really big reactions to losses and um, wins don't really stick with us the same way that that bad losses do. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not taking anything away from Saturday night by any means. I mean, Saturday's game was ugly. I don't I don't like their effort at all. They came out super flat in that first period. And it was almost like they they knew that Edmonton had been on a losing streak and hadn't had a good start to their season. So they didn't need to play very hard. And well, that cost them, didn't it? And it's the same thing that they did a week ago against Calgary. Calgary came in on a six game losing streak um, and Seattle had another one of its worst performances of the season. So I don't know what that is. If they start to get like cocky that they don't have any any reason to be cocky yet you know they haven't really put anything together so um yeah i don't want to sugarcoat anything i don't think last night's performance was good by any means um i'm not i'm still not ready to panic because they're they're still kind of right in the middle of the pack they're not in an edmonton or a san jose position they're just not where i think any of us would have expected them to be you said they have no reason to be cocky is there any way that this is still a lingering a lingering effect of last year's successful season that resulted in some fun postseason activities or not? I don't, <laughs> I don't know about that. Like, are we, are we talking about just too much celebrating over no, the, no, I'm over the saying, offseason? You're saying they, they have no reason to be cocky. Well, maybe they yeah. have a cockiness based on their success from last year. Well, maybe. I mean, the, the thing with last year, though, when they needed that big goal, they got it, right? And they've they've done that a couple times this year where it's like, all right, they're, they're up against the ropes. They need a big goal. They got it in, in Colorado, right, with the, the goal, 31 seconds left to win it. They got it uh, in that game. What was the game where Brian Dumlin had the answer goal? RJ, I'm, I can't remember who they were playing there. Where, you know, they they gave up two goals, I think, and um, and then Dumlin scored like 30 seconds later. They got the big goal that they needed there. Um, so there's been flashes of it. Last year, it was like they could just rely on that. It was happening most nights where, you know, anybody could score, anybody would step up and be the hero. We haven't seen that too many times this season so uh, maybe they're just expecting that that's going to come um, and it hasn't been coming as readily RJ you just heard Darren say he's not going to hit the panic button 
When do we hit the panic button if we ever hit the is Thanksgiving a good barometer? What's the date in hockey? Well, American Thanksgiving in hockey is a time that a lot of general managers, a lot of management will look at their team and say, okay, we can kind of judge what this team is now. And you'll have teams that maybe get off to a poor start, kind of waiting until Thanksgiving to really make a move or judge anything, uh, or teams with a good start when you banked enough points by Thanksgiving. Uh, there's a stat about three quarters of teams that are in a playoff spot come Thanksgiving end up making the playoffs. And so a lot of people in hockey like to look at that. Um, and if you're far enough out by Thanksgiving, it can be really hard to get back into the things given the way the point structure goes, where you have, you know, overtime loss points and everything. The Kraken are not far out of it enough yet to hit the panic button. I mean, they're still, you know, within two or three points of a playoff spot. Uh, but, you know, if you drop a little bit further, I think Thanksgiving is the point where you really have to look and see, okay, this is what this team probably is. And, uh, you know, it's harder to kind of climb from there. You know, if you don't make any moves and you just accept what the team is. Hey, Darren fun Brown, you mentioned to me before we started that they went on a little five game winning streak a year ago, which got them rolling. Is that what you need to see something like that to, to make you believe that they're back to where they were last year? Yeah. I mean, the thing about their last season was it was really built around win streaks. They'd have little pockets where they'd lose two or three in a row, um, but then they'd win five in a row. They'd win eight in a row. They'd win six in a row. They had these little stretches um, where they couldn't be beaten for, you know, two, two, three weeks. Um, we haven't seen that yet. By this point last season, they did have a five game win streak that made us start to think maybe they can be at least competitive. They lost a couple and then they went on a six game. Uh, no, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven game win streak right after that. So the five game win streak would have wrapped up at this point um, on November 8th was when that ended last season. So last season, they'd take like a, a step forward and a step back and then two steps forward and then one step back. And you're like, all right, maybe yeah. maybe nothing really happening here. And then they'd have this big lunge where they'd win a bunch of games and they just haven't had that big lunge yet. It's the it's the one step forward, one step back kind of a thing where they show glimpses and you start to think, OK, maybe they're going to start to figure it out. And then they just haven't done it yet. So RJ, Kraken uh, fans that are looking at the bigger picture, maybe not this year, but just the progression of the franchise might say, guys, the silver lining is they're playing a ton of young guys. Now, I don't have the stats of how young they are versus the other teams in the NHL. They're one of the younger teams in the NHL, especially since pulling up right and Winterton, the call up. How have those guys looked? How have the young guys looked? I think they've looked pretty good. I mean, su surprisingly good, in my opinion, uh, after they've been called up. So they were called up a couple games ago before the Colorado Avalanche game. And it was a surprise to a lot of us, I think. We we're trying to figure out, wow, are they are they this desperate after a loss to Arizona? A couple losses in a row. Uh, turns out Jordan Eberle actually suffered an injury where he had a deep skate cut on his thigh. And so you, you needed a forwards coming up. And I think Haxtell and the organization felt, OK, we need some skill coming up to replace Eberle. You have right and you have Winterton called up and Winterton especially was a surprise he's only played seven games as a pro he missed a lot of junior hockey due to injuries and he is just kind of starting to hit his stride in the AHL but you have those two come up form two-thirds of a new fourth line with Devin Shore and 
I thought in the Colorado game, they looked excellent. That's the best the Kraken fourth line has looked all season. And it was dangerous offensively in a way that we hadn't really seen since guys like Donato, Geeky, and Sprong left last season. I think it's something the Kraken really need uh, to kind of be able to put the pressure on teams down the lineup. In Edmonton, I mean, look, nobody played all that great in Edmonton, but I thought Wright and Winterton certainly were not the problem. They played okay. Winterton got a career high you know, through two games, 10 minutes of ice time. Um, I'd like to see more of them go forward there's the big question of course we you know what do you do once Eberle and Tanev come back but for the time being I really like that they're on the roster Darren what do you think and will they stick when those guys come back I'm curious if maybe one of them sticks I don't think they're both gonna stick I think that they're they're being viewed I mean totally my my opinion um I think they're being viewed as call-ups I think Hextall loves Brandon Tanev too much to keep him out of the lineup and you're obviously not going to hold out Jordan Eberle my thought is maybe they send Devin Shore back down and and keep either Wright or Winterton when Winterton, I've been really impressed with him as well, and I think that his story is really interesting here, that he went effectively made a jump from junior to to the NHL pretty quickly, Um, and that is, as RJ mentioned, I mean, he had two shoulder injuries. He missed a whole OHL season because the the entire league shut down for COVID. His entire development path has been really funky, and to see him come up right away and look like he more or less belongs, you know, is is pretty exciting stuff. To me, I think they they aren't going to have space on the roster for both of them. I don't see them both sticking long term. But to RJ's point, yeah, that especially in Colorado, that is the best that the fourth line has looked with those two playing on it. So that was an, an interesting thing to see and very promising too, right, to have two young kids come up from the AHL and slot right in and have an impact. That's Darren, what you stuff. told me as you were going up the escalator, you might have already been up at the top. Or going down the yeah. escalator, you may have been at the bottom. It was a quick ride. Yeah, yeah. but what you told me <laughs> via your Twitter at Darren Fun Brown was that we might see a goalie change in this upcoming game. Grubauer is near the bottom in most goalie stats. He gave up four on Saturday night. He gave up three to one player in the first period. What are we to think about the goaltending? Generally speaking, I think the goaltending has actually been quite strong this year. I, you know, Grubauer last year and the year before, especially early on in the season, he'd give up a real stinker like early in the game very often. Um, that was like the the MO for the first season, especially. And then the Kraken were chasing. That hasn't really been the case this year very often. You know, usually the Kraken have been scoring first, but then they're not holding leads is more of the problem. But the issue hasn't, to me, it hasn't been goaltending, I don't think. Uh, I think in Saturday's game, Grubauer, I mean, it's interesting because if you dissect each goal, it's hard to blame him for any individual goal. But the body of work there, he plays 20 minutes, gives up four goals. That's tough to, that's a tough pill to swallow. Decord did come in and he played well in the second period. He didn't face any shots in the third period, which is kind of crazy. For as bad as they were, they didn't give up any shots in the third period. So yeah, I would guess they'll go back to Decord next, next game. But to me, that's, that's one truly bad performance from Grubauer this okay. season. I think in general, he's been good. So um, I don't think I'm, I don't know. I, I don't want to like defend him over overly because I know that there's a lot of people on Twitter that get worked up about him. But. RJ, RJ, who's got the worst plus minus on the uh, on the Kraken team as we sit here after the uh, the Oilers disaster? Oh, gosh, right now. I'm going to tell you. Um, you want me to tell you? It's not yeah, even close. Not even close. The Kraken are 14 goals under when Matty Beneers is on the ice. He's a minus 14, second worst Jared McCann Gord and Bjorkstrand are the only positives in the plus minus. What should I read into that as a 
as a novice hockey fan. Plus minus itself, do not read into that. Plus minus is a, a, can be a very flawed and misleading stat. Although what you can take away from it, I think just move over a little bit and kind of look into the goals column and you can see some of the struggles for Matty Beneers this season. Just one goal on the season. It was on the power play a couple games ago against Colorado. And I mean, that's really been the, the struggle for him is just finishing. Uh, and if you look at the underlying numbers, and this is what's been so frustrating too, is you look at the underlying numbers, you look at the expected goals that he's generating, the shot quality that he's generating. He's right up there with star players in the league. He's right up there with a Mitch Marner or, or a Jack Hughes as far as the chances that he's generating. He just has not been able to score and his line mates seem to have not been able to score, but they're controlling play every game. But at a, at a certain point, he's the dam has to break. You'd have to think he scored his first against Colorado last game. The relief on his face, too. If you look and kind of lip read his celebration, you can hear him say, finally, uh, that he had scored that one. He did the whole monkey off the back celebration. You've got to think more more offense is coming for him. I'm not worried about him yet, uh, but I do think he kind of needs to vary his shot selection a little more. He has this one shot that he likes to go to, this kind of wrist shot that, that goes right under the glove, right over the goalie's far side pad. He loves it. He's good at it, but I think goalies at this point know it's coming, so I'd like to see him vary his looks a little bit, but overall, I'm not worried. Yeah, same. I, I don't read too much into plus minus. It is, it is a little concerning when you see a guy sink to like close to worst in the league. He was actually worst in the league in that category for a little bit. Now there's a couple of San Jose Sharks that have taken that crown from him, thankfully. His two road games, I thought, were definitely his best two games this season. He looked, he looked, I thought, very good in Arizona. Um, he had two of those same chances like he got in Colorado, but put it into the goalie's chest those nights. And then uh, in Colorado, he scored with that exact shot that RJ is referencing, the one over the pad and, and under the, the glove. But to me, it just it's one of those things where it got in his head where he couldn't, he couldn't score anymore, you know? Um, but the other side of it, too, was he wasn't getting a ton of chances. So those couple of games, you saw him getting chances and, and being an impactful player. He looked fast, dynamic, um, you know, ready to push the play. Uh, I don't know if I saw him too, too much again in the game against Edmonton. He was he was around. He had a couple looks, but it wasn't he wasn't quite as impactful. So hopefully it's it's more of the road trip games that we saw than it is the Edmonton game. Let's finish up, guys, with something we talked a lot about last year. And I guess I'm forced to bring it up again early in the season this year, their inability to get anything going at home, RJ. Uh, you guys kind of threw up your hands a year ago trying to figure it out. We're off to another rough start at Climate Pledge Arena. They seem to play better hockey on the road. They beat Colorado on the road this past week. They're going to get the rematch this week at Climate Pledge Arena. Any additional or new thoughts on what we can do to get this team to be a better home ice team, RJ. I'm I'm still kind of baffled by this. And it's it's tough, right? Because they played so many more games on the road. They played nine games on the road so far, only six games at home. But you look at it and through 15 games of the season, the Kraken only have two wins in Climate Pledge Arena. And that's certainly enough that the home fans are going to start to feel restless. You saw it Saturday night against Edmonton after the first period. They were being booed off the ice. And I think you are starting to see kind of a restlessness, especially among the home fans, especially among season ticket holders who, by the way, this is the last year of the three-year season ticket packages. This is something I'm sure the team's aware of where they want to see more production on the ice for those tickets they're paying a lot of money for. Is there enough juice, Darren? You've been around hockey you've been around other arenas you travel at times is there enough juice i know it's a western conference laid-back city 
Are we getting? Are they getting what they need from this crowd? I yeah, I can't blame the can't blame the crowd. I think the crowd is generally very good. If they give up four goals in the first period and <laughs> go to the room down four zero, it's hard yeah, to hard stay to behind the team. And even in the third period, they started to push a little bit. They got a goal. You know, they actually had a very good third period if you cut out the first two. Unfortunately, it's a three period game. But even then, like the crowd got behind them in the third period. So I, I have a hard time blaming the crowd by any means. But man, my you know, you said we threw our hands up last season I just haven't put mine down yet I just walked around all summer with my hands up in the air trying to figure out why they stink at home I've I've never been able to figure it out it to me the only explanation I can give is it's similar to the thing I said earlier about they read the headlines of what's happening with the other team you know they get just a little bit comfortable uh Calgary stinks Edmonton stinks we don't need to play our best game we can we can kind of rest on our laurels a little bit and then you see what happens, you know? Yeah, so wow. I, I think maybe they just get a little bit too comfortable at home. I, I don't have any good exclamation for it. I mean, the, every player was asked about it last season, right? Like, why why do you guys stink at home in softer terms, obviously? But um, nobody could give a real good answer. So that's that. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> the Seattle Kraken no table. They don't know. That's the motto. Yeah. Yes. The no table. The no know. table. We don't know. RJ Eskinos, Emerald City Hockey. Thank you so much, RJ. Thanks for having me, Mitch, on the We Don't Know table. And uh, Darren Fun Brown, don't worry, be happy, in the words of Bobby McFerrin. Thank you, Darren. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mitch. Here we are again with Fireside Home Solutions owner John Waterstrat. How are you, John? Doing great, Mitch. Thank you very much for having me on again. It's nice to have you back. Football season in full swing. That means a few things, like it's time to evaluate your old fireplaces, chilly temperatures around the corner. Question, how do I know if I need a new one? Is it appearance, functionality, or both, John? It's probably a little bit of both. We always talk to people about, hey, how long have you had this fireplace? You know, what's your usage on that? Just taking a look at it. If it just doesn't look like it's doing what you want it to do, call us up. We can have one of our service technicians come out and do mm-hmm. a quick evaluation, give you some recommendations. And if that fireplace is and it just needs to be refreshed, we'll do that for you too. If it needs to be replaced, they'll hook you in with one of our sales staff and we'll get that taken care of for you. Is it a little more complicated if I want to incorporate a fireplace into an area of my home that's never had one? To be honest, yes, I think it's a little harder, but it's not a full remodel. You have to kind of decide on what you want. If you don't have a fireplace and you want to do something freestanding, mm-hmm. have that done in a day. If you want something framed up, be there and kind of be part of your room. We can help you with that. We have contractors that can help you with that. We can look at the fireplaces and see what you would want. And then we can hook you in with the contractors that do the tile and other things that are available. So I know you want us to come out to one of your showrooms. I'd like to know about the reaction to that newly remodeled Bellevue location, John. Yeah, it's been great. It's been uh, inspiring for all of us. Uh, I love people to walk in and see that first fireplace we have in there. It's a fireplace that has glass on all four sides. It's almost like a floating fireplace. Wow. You'd be wowed by it. But uh, yeah, just come on in and be inspired and you yeah. could be a kid in a candy store. <laughs> John Waterstrat, Fireside Home Solutions, just a terrific partner of Mitch Unfiltered and the presenting partner of our fourth annual Beat the Boys competition this football season. Where would we be without John and FiresideHomeSolutions.com? She's back. Katie Versio, Director of Financial Planning, Evergreen Golf Call. Hi, Katie. I understand... There's a special anniversary or birthday over there in Bellevue. Yes. Uh, Evergreen is celebrating our 40th anniversary this nice. year. Nice. Very, very nice. So that means the new Make Mitch Look Foolish quiz 
is a 40th anniversary special this week. That's right. Okay, I'm ready. Go ahead. So it's been an interesting year in the market. Overall, the S&P 500 is up about 11% for the year. Last time when we spoke in July, it was up about 19%. So there's been some volatility over that time. But I'm going to see how much you've been paying attention. Okay. First question, what is the return on value stocks for 2023? So value stocks are blue chip companies that trade at attractive valuations, often pay dividends, things like financials, Costco, companies like that. Mm -hmm. Value stocks, are they up 7%, 2%, or down 1%? I would think that they're up because overall the market is up, but I'll just say 2%. How about that? Unfortunately, they're down 1%. Really? It's quite the diversion where what we're going to look at in question number two, we're going to turn to our focus on what's the return on growth stocks. Right, right. These are companies like Tesla, Meta, Google, some of the big tech giants. Mm -hmm. So are those stocks up 31%, 24%, or 5%? So if the value stocks are down too, these have to be up big, big, big for the numbers to make sense. So it's either 24, 31, I'll say the 31%. So they're actually up 24%. Oh, no, <laughs> So you can see there's a big diversion between these different areas of the market. And really, there's only a handful of stocks that are driving the market return this year. So while overall the market's up, it doesn't tell the full story. Which means I'm on the precipice of going 0 for 3. Let me see if I can salvage one for us, Katie. Go ahead. All right, I'll give you an easy one. It's a true or false. Okay. So true or false, the return on the bond market is negative for the year. Well, that has to be true if the... If the stock, well, it doesn't have to be, but most likely that's true if the stock market is thriving, right? That's true. The bond market is down over 3% this year. So I go one for three, and in baseball, 333 makes me an all star hitter. I'm going to stick to that. We love Evergreen Golf Call, a terrific partner. Start your search and learn all about them at evergreengk.com because they're everything wealth. Unfiltered. Episode 262, if I haven't lost you already, it's the Other Stuff segment with Hotshot Scott. Where are you going first? So, New Heisel and you discussed the Harbaugh situation. We did. Ad nauseum. We did. That that whole thing is so weird to me. What do you think? I what, mean, what makes it weird? Just the, the, the court stuff and the restraining order. Yeah. And, and the, the interim head coach was Sharon Moore. Or yeah, Sharon. crying. What the hell was that reaction? Oh, yeah. Well, they all think that they've been wronged at Michigan. He was acting like, Har- I'm sorry, Harbaugh's alive, right? Yes, he is. He is. Yes. He didn't die. No. His reaction was That's like he was exactly what New Eisel just said on the, uh, Holy on the interview. Shit, yeah. That was weird. That was a weird reaction. For you, yeah. coach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And by the way, of all the people to be sentimental about Harbaugh, I mean, New Eisel thinks that if they really wanted to press it, if he really wanted to be on the sidelines against Penn State yeah. and sacrifice what other punishments that would come about after that, that they would have won a temporary restraining order. You can go back to the New Heisel segment and you'll yeah. hear him say that, which makes me believe that they kind of chose, this may not be right, but he, he said to himself, let me just take this. We can win this game with me in the hotel room drinking milk. Right. We, I, we can win this milk. game. We can win this game with the guy you're talking about yeah, coaching the Sharon team. Moore, Penn Sean State's Moore. not that good. We can win that yeah. game. Let's take it now. Let's take it on the chin now so that when we go to the courts next week, 
We've already had a suspension. I can get into the Ohio State-Michigan game, yeah. which is the game I want to I coach in. Yeah. I want to coach in the Ohio State-Michigan game. That's what it feels, after listening to New Heisel, that's what it feels like to me. New Heisel, college football expert and lawyer? Yeah. That's a pretty good combo yeah, right there. Good, Talk good. about this story. Pretty good. The whole thing is just bizarre and it weird. Is, it is. Leave it to Harbaugh to be in the middle of that. Something weird like is. that, right? Of course it is. God, he's so annoying. <sighs> I was going to go off about the Matthew Perry story, but I'm going to skip it. Really? Yeah. I want to move it maybe to the end. Remind me at the end when you do your jokes, when I'll you do try. your headlines, maybe I'll okay. come back to it. I'm a little annoyed. I'm a little put off by the Matthew Perry story, the reaction of the world to the Matthew Perry story, and everybody waiting on on, on the edge of their seats to, to hear the toxicology reports. Oh, because we yeah. have to know. Yeah. I guess I'm doing it now. We have to <laughs> you know. Sucked yourself right in. Yeah, I did. We have to know whether the guy died of drugs. We have to know whether he relapsed and drugs were in his system. And part of the reason why he drowned in that. We have to know. Right. Because we have to know because it's not as tragic. It's not as sad if he did. Right. That's kind of the inference, the implication. We're going to look at him differently if we found out that he died as a result of a relapse to his his lifelong battle with drugs. I think there's just a morbid curiosity. I think it's almost more tragic if we find out, oh, that's why he died. That's he, what you think. Yes. But is that what you're sensing? The world, is that the reason why the world is waiting, waiting for the tux? I think people oh. just need answers. See? They just first need freaking answers. Why is it our business? That's it's the not, first question. It's not why our business. Why the fuck is it our business? I don't, it's not. How the guy died. I've been saying that about 911 calls. Oh, you know, yeah. why is that public? I don't know. Who needs to hear that? I don't know. Well... I mean, we love hearing it. Well, <laughs> there, but we do, do we need to hear it? No, it's that not our business. That should be private. That's not our business. I know. I, I, the, the whole thing. So maybe you've you've just cut my legs out from under me, my thought, because it, it's just feeling to me like everybody's waiting to hear, did he relapse? Yeah. Was he on drugs? And if he was, oh, then I'm not feeling so bad for him. That's what it feels mm-hmm. like to me. Yeah. Now, maybe I'm... You I'm might wrong. be right. I, I just, may be wrong about that. And like, if that's the case, that's really, really sad. I think people just want to. People need explanations. Well, well, Why did this happen? My point is, and I am not a Matthew Perry guy. I'm not a Friends guy. I watched a little. I wasn't yeah, a huge I'm with fan you. of Matthew. I'm not a huge Matthew. I don't care. I don't. I'm not. Don't. Don't put me in like the the, the chairman of the Matthew Perry fan club <laughs> section. I won't. I, but I think about him and I think about. Here's a guy who took his enormous popularity. Did he not? Tell me if I'm wrong about any of this. I could be wrong. And he put his enormous popularity on the line by in the last couple of years telling everybody who would listen, including writing a book, here's here's my faults. Here are my Mm. warts. Here are my flaws. I see what you're saying. he, He has defined, he has laid out in print all of his problems problems and weaknesses and battles with drugs. Very forthcoming. And in, and in so doing, and I don't pretend to know much about drug addiction. Thank God it's never really hit me and my family. But it feels like that the amount of people that he probably helped by his willingness to do this yeah. and put all of his popularity on the line is, is endless. 
He, he aired his own dirty laundry and probably saved people's lives. Yeah. Why are we not talking about that? Why are we waiting with bated breath to find out whether he had drugs in his system? And then then we'll decide whether we like Matthew Perry. <laughs> That's right. It's yeah. fucked up. Yeah, the it whole is. thing is fucked up. I agree with I, you. And I don't want to do this on this show. <laughs> remind me back. At the end, I'll remind you. It is. It's driving me crazy. Yeah. Every article you read, toxicology reports could be out this week. Oh, I got to know. I'm reading I'm reading people on bulletin board. I got to know. I got to yeah, know. I know. Like we're going to we're going to hold out we're going to hold out judging him. We're going to judge him based on the answers to these questions. Right. I don't know. Yeah, there is a weird morbid sick quality about wanting to know. Like Didn't this guy save lives by yeah. telling everybody what he's done in his life? That's right, yeah. It seems to me that he has. Yeah. Anyway. Um so I won't do that. Okay, good. I don't want to do that. Uh, congrats to Tracy Taylor. Yeah, I want to put her in the other side. She is now an elected official. Good for her. Did I just say that? I know. Can you believe is it? Tracy Taylor, an elected official, elected by Auburn, Washington, to its city council, defeating the incumbent. <laughs> she is now. I'm moving out of Auburn as soon as humanly possible. Yeah. I better not stay in Auburn. She's running things. Tracy Taylor is running things. Next stop, governor of the state of Washington, Can't and then wait. Yeah, president sure. of the United States. Our own Tracy Taylor, congratulations. She's got to put us in her cabinet if she's the president. Something, right? The president of Barbara Streisand or something. She's got to give yes. us some kind of role. Yes, if she gets pizza it. and yeah. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah, her incumbent didn't do their homework very well today. Stop it. <laughs> I love Tracy. I just, I told Tracy, I'm glad my write-in vote of Brian Bosworth didn't affect the outcome because I was worried it may have at some point. But congrats to her. That's awesome, yeah, is that man. that nice? She, She's in the city council. She wanted to go for something and, yeah. and won. Yeah. That's amazing. And look at us. <laughs> I know. What the hell? What the are we doing? The podcast. Talking about Barbara Streisand and, and shit. And whether she has, should have had the nose job. Oh, my god. The rhinoplasty. Are you going to read her book, Barbara Streisand, or do you I'm, have no I'm, desire? I don't read books very often, but I am very, t you know, I, I'm a lifelong. Yeah. Now, you want to say I'm not the president of the Matthew Perry fan club? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty damn close to an elected official in the fan club <laughs> of Babsy. I love myself some, I've always loved Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Sorry, Barbara Streisand. Streisand. Yeah, and I'll tell you why we got to make sure we say Barbara Streisand. Yes. Well, there, there was an, an excerpt from her book about her, her, her love life. Do you know how long the book is? You know how big the book is? Hmm. 980 pages. It's been a hell of a life. I mean, it's, it got will a lot take to write me about. until next, until 2026. Yeah. The Sonics will be back <laughs> before I finish Barbara Streisand's um, memoir. She Look sat down with CBS Sunday morning for a chat with Gail King. You know, Gail. Yeah, sure. Who chopped That's it Oprah's up. Oprah's friend. That's right. Oprah's yeah. buddy about yeah. her, about the men in her life. Yes. Now, Barbara was very clear that she's a private person. Yes. But her publishers were like, that's not going to fly. If you're going to write a memoir, we need to know some shit. So, yes. Gail points out that Barbara yes. has quite the resume under her belt, rattling off some names like Don Johnson. We knew that one. Ryan O'Neill. Old news. Andre Agassi. Old news. And even ex-Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau. Never knew about that. Never knew about no, that no, one. Just to good. name a few, but yeah. Agassi we knew about? Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> really? If you're, again, <laughs> if you're an elected official sure, in the like, Barbara Streisand. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, you know about Andrea. Sure, Andrea Agassi. Wow, that that's was a, an interesting. That was not a, a great kept secret. What's nine hundred and ninety-two pages? That's she never book. got the infamous schnoz fixed because she was worried that it might change her voice. Yeah. She and I a lot in common. I never got the nose fixed. Well, because I was worried. Come on, for your voice. Some might say 
That would have been a side benefit. <laughs> yeah, maybe you would have come out sounding like James Earl Jones or somebody with a great voice. She admits in the 992-page memoir hotshot that she picked up the phone and called Apple CEO Tim Cook. As one does. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why did Bab Streisand yeah. pick up the phone and call Apple CEO Tim Cook? Probably couldn't figure out how to text or do something no. on her iPhone. Or... You should know the answer to this by I now. I feel like I should, yes. Siri was pronouncing her name oh, Barbara God. Streisand. <laughs> God. Yeah. She got him on the phone and she said, Mr. Cook, my name isn't spelled with a Z. It's Streisand. Like sand on the beach. Yeah. How simple Mr. Cook can you get? Tim Cook was so lovely, she writes. He had Siri change the pronunciation immediately. I'm sure he did. I guess that's one perk of fame. God, it's good to be her, isn't it? Incredible. Calling me Levi for years. (laughs) I mean, I see why she doesn't want to risk that. I mean, I wouldn't touch anything in the ear, nose, throat if I was. If you were me. Some say she's. (laughs) <laughs> some say she has the greatest singing voice of all time it may not be for Love everybody her. but i told you what barry Love gibbs her. said about her he, he put his hand like about where his eyes are he said these are the best singers in the world right here where his eyes are yeah and then he goes about eight inches higher this is barbara streisand why do you do a thing <sighs> it's quite the catalog yeah i mean are we doing 992 Pages is Papa, can you hear me or Papa, whatever? Can you hear me? Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot to go on with her. For all of you that have been checking on me all week, even though Hotshot didn't, after my huge disappointment, my huge public disappointment, I want to thank everybody publicly for writing in and checking on me. I'm fine. I know I came up short again. This time to Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am so tired of getting nipped for people's sexiest man alive contest and being that close. I mean, it's ridiculous already. I know. Patrick Dempsey, really? Still, though? That's a weird If I'm going to lose to Brad Pitt, if I'm right. going to lose to Ben Affleck, Patrick Dempsey, that's the best you can do? Yeah. Maybe I should have gotten the schnoz fixed. I don't know. Maybe that. <laughs> maybe the nose is the difference. Would have put you I over the edge. I was so effing close. So, yeah, I'm doing okay. Good. I'm getting over the disappointment. I'll be fine. That's good. Yeah. Happy to hear. Yeah. You know the name Tisha Campbell? She was yeah. big for a minute. Yeah. Really pretty. She was on a show called Martin. I saw her in the news. You could probably recognize her. Yeah. She. What happened? Well, she had a pretty funny discovery cleaning out her late. Oh, yes. The point. Yes. Go ahead. Her late yes. father's yes. home following yes. his death. Yes. That's coming across a seemingly yeah. endless collection of porn <laughs> DVDs. <laughs> Oh, I've I've had to clean out my grandpa's and he had like magazines. And yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. grandpa, no. Oh, no. Yeah, but did, she said her family, they were able to enjoy some comedic relief as they found. She kept bugging her dad. Dad, why do you have a DVD player? Everything's streaming. You don't need oh, it. Yeah. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. And now she, quite the it all came clear when she found those. But um, she actually told everybody some of the titles of the movies. Okay. I don't know if you want to hear rock some of these horse, titles. Rock horse, rock band, racehorse, or adult film. Go ahead. White Hose with Bros, Black Cobra, and of course, each DVD came complete with sexually explicit graphics on top. And there's one that she said, but I... I don't, I, don't, don't. I can't say Keep it. Keep it for the family. <laughs> I can't say it, but if you've ever had to clean out your dad or your grandpa's stuff, be careful. <laughs> be careful what you go looking for, Taylor. You, wish you may not like what you find. Yes. I say the name Earl Thomas and you say no, not oh another one. Oh my God, I saw that. Yeah. Another one. The guy, 
Everything is negative with him. Wait, he got his identity stolen? Former Seattle Seahawks safety Earl Thomas, the victim of a $1.9 million identity theft scheme to a New Orleans man who is dating his ex-wife. Yeah, of course, yeah. The 38-year-old New Orleans Orleans man named Kevin J. Thompson reportedly pretended to be Thomas to steal money from his bank accounts, cash his NFL checks, transfer ownership of several vehicles. Thomas is in a relationship with Thomas's ex-wife, Nina Thomas. And you remember, it was Nina Thomas who found Earl and I think his brother. His brother and, and both naked yeah. and, and a she, gun was she involved. Took, oh, yeah, yeah, she took out a gun. Yeah, just. It was loaded. We just, found out. See, the, the post-Seahawks oh, life of Earl Thomas geez, has man. just not been smooth. Things keep getting worse for your friend Shadur Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. I've got two stories because you said the Colorado Buffaloes are going to give people lots of trouble. Yes, at some point they are. I've got two stories. Go on. Well, the quarterback, who's the son of Dion, had his Rolls Royce booted yeah. after previously getting ticketed by campus police. So he's got a wheel clamp yeah, sure. on his Rolls Royce. The old Denver a, boot or whatever it's called. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, those are rough. See what happens when you're in your Rolls Royce and you don't pay? I'm telling you. We've all when been you, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the other news is the Colorado Buffalo. Does he need a Rolls Royce he's got of a Rolls. all cars? Save some money. It's going to go got away. A Rolls, a Rolls Yes, in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, gosh. Also, the Colorado Buffaloes uh, received some bad news on Sunday, Hotshot. When wide receiver Winston Watkins Jr., a five-star talent, decommitted from Colorado. Uh-oh. 2025 recruiting class. He is uh, he is a nephew or a cousin of Sam Wa- Sammy Watkins, who I think played at Clemson. Receiver? receiver. Yeah, 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 I remember yeah, yeah. So now Dion is not only... His son has not only have a boot problem on his Rolls Royce. <laughs> it's not a problem, but, but he's yes. losing top-notch commits. Already? I'll have you, I'll have you know. What's their record now? You off the top of your head? They haven't or? won in a month and a half. It's like four and They had Arizona, I think, beat, and Arizona came back and beat them this week. <sighs> yeah. Rough start. So I don't know that I have anything. I have the Katy Perry story, if you care. Did you want to know that it's that time of year again where the National Toy Hall of Fame announced its new Sure, inductees? you always do this. I, I don't know why I think it's funny. You like it. Baseball yeah. cards is in. Well, that's not a toy. That's for kids. I would say. Yeah, but it's not a toy. Cabbage Patch Kids are in. Oh, how could they have not have been in already? Now, do you remember the Fisher-Price corn popper? The corn popper? A little thing you push, if I'm thinking of the right thing, and then like little yellow balls would bounce around oh, inside maybe. of it. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah. And then I guess just in general, Nerf is in. Oh, Anything sure, Nerf? Sure. Like the Nerf football is a pretty how, rad invention, how, right? How has Nerf not been in all these years? Well, this this Hall of Fame is kind of new, I okay. think. So they, they have to catch right. up. Okay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Battleship. Got it. Choose your own adventure books. Got and it. not to be outdone by Barbie's big year, Ken is in. Ken is in. <laughs> Ken's in, yes. I voted for him. <laughs> Good. I love <laughs> Ken. Um, all right, before your headlines, uh, do you have RIPs? Yeah, but I got to give you this. Cr- I've, okay, I've, okay, I love okay. to bring these up. Okay. A shark in Chicago Zoo has made history. Yes. Giving birth despite having no contact with any males. Now, I've told you before and I'll say it again. Yes. Everything I learned in life, I learned from movies. The great <laughs> Dr. Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park tried telling us if there's one thing that history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free. It expands to new territories, crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously. Yes. But love, but life finds a way. <laughs> he told us that 30 years ago, and he's I never right. saw Jurassic Park. You didn't hear good things about it? Well, some guy, I, I think <laughs> I know the guy, the name of the guy who did it, like Steven something or something other. Something or other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's actually a pretty good movie. But he was right. 
because in Jurassic Park, they make all these dinosaurs. It's like, what, yeah. do, you, what do you do about breeding? They're like, oh, don't, don't worry. They're all females. There is no breeding. And that's when he gives this speech like, mm, I don't know. Life always seems to find a way. And here's a shark who has no contact with, got pregnant. And we don't know how. Life will find a way. Life will find a way. Pretty impressive. I guess Katy Perry's partner is a guy by the name of Orlando Bloom. No? Oh, sure. Pirates of the Caribbean? Is that who he is? I think he was a nice looking fella. Yeah, sure. Katy Perry with all her money from uh, all of her albums. And she just sold. Remember I told you she sold her her entire library of music to somebody for like 100, 100 million or 200 million dollars. And she makes all that money from American Idol. Well, apparently Katy Perry... And and Orlando Bloom had had a problem that you've had, you and your wife have had. They they tried to buy or they did buy a home in Montecito, California. I know you've got a home or two. Oh there, yeah, a couple. Right? Yeah. I think the guy who won won the lottery got a couple <laughs> yeah, homes that in guy, Montecito. Yeah, right. <laughs> the market slowed down, so she I paid. Haven't... I guess she and her husband agreed to a fifteen million dollar purchase for their new home with their their kid. Okay. They wanted to move into this home, this fifteen million dollar home in Montecito, California. And then the guy was like, nope, I know I sold it to you, but I'm, I'm suing you. Uh-oh. He claimed that he had not been himself. He was on painkillers from an earlier surgery. <laughs> now we're talking and about And he me. wasn't in the right mind <laughs> yeah. to be able to sell. He signed the deal. He agreed wow. to the deal. He signed the deal. He sold the house. And then he wanted the house back. Well, this went all the way to court. I'm sure. And they won. Orlando Bloom and... And Katy Perry won. Cockamamie they now, excuse. This guy's loss is he has to take $15 million for a home that he paid $8 million for. <laughs> Hope you learned your lesson, sir. I Here's said, your $15 million. <laughs> According to Westcott, that's the guy's name. Yeah. Upon release from the hospital where he had a procedure done, he was prescribed numerous medications for his recovery that allegedly left him in an intoxicated state. He had not been himself due to this combination of his age, frailty, Huntington's disease, the six-hour surgery, and especially the intoxicating effects of the painkillers he had been taking for several days. So the, so the sale to Bloom and Katy Perry should have been negated because he wasn't of right mind to sell the property. But doesn't he have an agent who does that? I, I mean, don't know. Can't the agent talk to the client and know. figure out if he's in the right he mind? He lost. To- yeah. So he's going to have to take the $15 million yeah. and get the hell out. Well, let, let's find learn, buddy. Some, some other place to live. And she's got a residency, I think, in Vegas now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I was there. You saw Katy Perry's residency I in Vegas? I saw Katy Perry's show in Vegas. Yeah. I saw Celine Dion. Yeah, I saw She it. just showed up to watch it. was watch a hell of a it. show. Really? You yeah. like her, do you? It went the day after we went to Barry Manilow. <laughs> True. <laughs> really? Barry Manilow on a Friday, Katy oh. Perry on a Saturday. Yeah, and true story. Motorhead on the day after. I don't right? know. Uh, no, blue Metallica. Face. Blue face. Yeah, blue face. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. All right, RIPs, you have a few? I only have one. Uh, I only have one. DJ, DJ Hayden. Yeah. Yes. Gosh. I don't know who DJ Hayden is. I don't remember DJ Hayden. He was a first-round draft pick of the Raiders in 2013, apparently killed in a car crash early in the morning over the weekend in Houston, Texas, maybe? Yeah, and then there was another football player named Zach know. McMillan who played yes. for the Cougars. Yeah, University I have that. Houston Cougars. Oh, he was also killed he was in the part of that, yeah. An yeah. awful crash. And, yeah. Ugh. All right. All right, there was a former NFL player named Matt Ulrich. He won a Super yes, Bowl with, the, with Colts. the Colts. Center. We don't know what happened. I don't think anybody's saying what happened. Yeah, he went yeah. undrafted, joined him in 2005. He, right. I guess he was just this great guy. Everyone seemed to love him. But yeah, those are right. the two that I have. Headlines! The latest trend to go viral is putting toilet paper in the refrigerator. Supposedly soaks up all the odors plaguing your fridge. And users say the toilet paper absorb, absorbs the moisture in the air that can contribute to mold, mildew, and bad scents. Yes. This whole thing sounds like talk from a bunch of stupid ice holes. 
An Alabama woman who was born with two uteri, that's more than one uterus. <laughs> I, I, I gather Thank that you for much. following along. Yes. Is now pregnant with a girl in each of them. What? Pretty impressive story, especially when you consider each baby has a different father somehow. Oh, my God. A dad decides to fly an easy jet plane to Spain after the flight was delayed due to a missing pilot. This dad just happened to know how to fly a jet and said, I'll take the plane. And well, they would have got there a little quicker, but the guy's wife wouldn't stop telling him where to turn. (laughs) And finally, an Australian porn star named Danny DeBello is opening up to her followers after a traumatic recent incident where her giant pet snake bit her male scene partner right on the privates. Uh Uh-oh. It's not all bad news for the man, however, as we all know there's only one way to get the venom out. You can actually see this video on her OnlyFangs account. (laughs) Episode 262. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Kenosha, Wisconsin, I apologize to you and anybody from Kenosha, Wisconsin, that we named this episode after you. Stirring tribute. When you consider just how bad it was. Oh, dear. We thank all of our guests, including Mr. Playoffs, who lost Hotshot in the first 60 seconds of his delivery. What about a prediction for the Oregon State-Washington game? Even at one point? Yes. What is what, If Mitch has to go to the casino and lay down a couple shekels, which way are we going? Tough if one. I had to bet, I would bet Washington. Really? I think Washington's better. I think their quarterback will not let them lose. And I think their their defense will be a little bit fired up because of what happened in the second half. They have a little momentum because mm. of the second half against Utah. I don't know that I truly trust DJ Uungalele or whatever his name is, the transfer from Clemson. So I would, if I had to make a bet, right. I, I, I wouldn't make it. If, if, if one of the options is make no bet, <laughs> I would do that. But if you yes, told me no, I have an option. It turns out to not. Well, spend not money. according to you. It's it. you're telling me I have to make <laughs> yes, a bet one gun way to the other. head. You got to make a bet, of course. And plus, I'm rooting for. How can I? How can right. I, how can I know? But it is kind of fun to hedge if if your team doesn't win. Hey, at least I won money. Yay! Oh, <laughs> so you think Washington can get it done? Good for oh, you. there's no question they can get it done. You've been beating the Oregon State drum for a they're while, really, though. They're good. You've talked me into how good they're they good. are. Good. Yeah. And you know, the following week, they turn around and go right to Autzen Stadium in Eugene to face Oregon. <sighs> they got plenty to say about this. Somewhere in a deep, dark room behind closed doors, Oregon State's coaching staff is like, yeah, Oregon Washington rematch, huh? Yeah, right. Yeah. College football playoff, huh? Yeah. Well, it's true. There's another team involved here. Uh, Episode 262 is in the books.